This is Unfilter, episode 247 for August 9th, 2017. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening uh, beyond a normal statement. And as I said, they will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. Coming to you live from the nuclear fallout shelter in northwest Washington state, this is Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show by the news you shouldn't be watching. I'm Chase, over there wearing the gas mask just in case the fallout reaches us, is Mr. Chris Fisher. Hey, buddy, you know, it's funny. I learned recently that a friend of mine that I've known for a while actually has an a bomb shelter from like the 70s. Wow, really? I don't know why it was built in the 70s, but it was built in the 70s, and uh, they just use it now as storage. I wonder if they're going to be dusting it off after this week's episode. Uh, Well, you know, between that and the warning that a Cascadia quake could happen and we should be prepared for 14 days, I I, got to say that uh, I'm ready to move to Fiji. hmm, Yeah, I feel like it's just time to go. I wonder how RVs do in earthquakes. Because, you know, I got like, you know, I mean, I got big rubber tires. You'll be fine. I got suspension. But the one thing you got to worry about, I I think, buddy, is fuel. Because you need to keep things running. Oh, you mean if like there's a big collapse. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to be ready to sustain yourself, they say, in about 7 to 14 days. You know, uh, they say that uh, the equipment in your RV is sustaining a a earthquake that is like uh, on the Richter scale, say about 4. Oh, wow. While you're going down the road. So that's what, like, <laughs> your TV and your computers and all of that are shaking like an earthquake would shake them at a, at a factor oh, yeah, four. yeah, solar panels, buddy. Yeah, lots of solar yeah. panels on that. Solar and fuel. You know, I got, I got a 100-gallon tank. I could, make, I could stretch that out a while. Yeah, yeah. Just go downhill. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So coming up on uh, today's episode, though, we won't be planning for the end times just yet. In fact, perhaps there's nothing to worry about. We'll get into all of the North Korea stuff that uh, is really a big discussion point this week. Uh, we also have a few updates on the Russia investigation, as well as some really interesting things in the high note that we're going to wrap it all up with. Nice. But, you know, Chase, yes, you know how we do. We always start with some cyber. We do. And uh, there is uh, a big arrest, a big arrest after a years-long investigation of um, somebody who was responsible for some very, very serious cyber threats against a school. And it's... Uh, let me, let me build the picture for you a little Knowing bit. Knowing who your neighbor really is. He wanted to be the worst cyber terrorist that ever lived. All right, so this guy wanted to be the worst cyber terrorist that, that ever lived. And uh, he, uh, he's done some horrible, horrible, horrible things. Well, or, or he was just a dumb boy who said some stupid stuff in a chat that wasn't even meant to be a public threat. Um, I'll let you decide. All right. Well, a mystery is over in Plainfield this morning. A man is in custody facing charges of making a series of bomb threats there. Matt McCutcheon has been following this still developing story. We still had so many unanswered questions this time yesterday morning. Now we've got a lot of those We're answers. A closer look, but still the mystery continues this morning to a degree about why he would do this. This does in nearly two years of wondering who would make these threats. This morning we now know the identity of Brian Kill. 
Video shows federal agents about to move in to arrest him. His name is really Buster Hernandez, and he is a long way from Indiana. He's a 26-year-old Bakersfield, California resident facing federal charges, including cyber threats and sexual exploitation. So Mr. Kill here uh, seems like a real decent human being. That's oh, totally, for sure. yeah. Uh, but here's essentially what happened is uh, he gets in this back and forth with an underage girl um, in Indiana. He's in California. And uh, he essentially says, if you don't send me the nudes, uh, I'm going to blow up the school you live at. What? This wow. Christmas in 2015, Plainfield schools had to cancel classes after threats started to spread, which also included threats to the mall there in Plainfield. Now, here's where the story sort of is taking some artistic license. He didn't really threaten the school. He threatened the girl, and she shared that information with the school. But you see, this is being painted as a big cyber boogeyman who was making threats directly against the school. That's not that's not exactly true. He was threatening the girl, not justifying that. But it's different than actually issuing a threat to the school, right. which they then not only closed school down, but then after that, after they opened school back up, kids couldn't have backpacks. What? Texas believe this spans multiple states, and this morning there is relief for families knowing that this person has been caught. It was scary knowing that your kids are out there and that they didn't find this person. And is it somebody that lives right next door to us? So, I, I mean, I, I, so a big cyber threat, you know, the, the biggest cyber boogeyman. Not knowing who your neighbor really is. He wanted to be the worst cyber terrorist that ever lived. The worst cyber terrorist that ever lived is a stupid guy who got in a stupid situation on Facebook and tried to pressure a girl by making threats. That then gets presented to the school. The school shuts down. Parents become scared. And it's just some kid. It's a frightening thought. And it's one that became all too real for people on this quiet East Bakersfield street. Next-door neighbors say that they never actually met 26-year-old Buster Hernandez. He lived here on Eucalyptus Drive, and on Thursday, the FBI showed up at his doorstep and arrested him for threatening an Indiana school, for making cyber threats to female victims, and for producing child pornography. Now, of course, that, I didn't mention that last one because it could be true. It probably is true, but they always just seem to throw it in anyways. Hernandez allegedly went by the name Brian Kill on Facebook and used multiple accounts to threaten a female minor in Indiana into sending him sexually explicit pictures. So that is legitimately a very bad thing. The worst cyber bully or whatever, no, what, they don't even call him a bully, they just a cyber threat. He uh, thought uh, he could not be found, and in the cyber world, uh, this was the modern equivalent of looking for a needle in a haystack. No, it's it's not. It's just some moron on Facebook that's doing something that's illegal, but it's not some massive cyber threat that requires the Justice Department to spend two years. I mean, this seems, and now they're making this big story Chris, out of it. Chris, what do I always say on the show? Think of the children? No, no, not that one. Oh, you mean the other one? Come on. Show me the money! They have to justify the cost and all the money that is being put into these protectionary programs. And when you have an opportunity, with the help, unfortunately, of some media outlets, you're able to capitalize on that and really exercise your worth. All That's all they're doing. Listen to how they end it, too. It's like they really double down on the uh, think of the poor children thing. On this quiet East Bakersfield street, he did it all while living right across the street from an elementary school. Those who lived right next door to Hernandez, now all too aware of who their neighbor really was. I mean, 
okay, so he's a he is he's a bad a, guy. He's a screwed up perv. Yeah. But uh, this story this story starts with not knowing who your neighbor really is. He wanted to be the worst cyber terrorist that ever lived. That's not cyber terrorism. It's not. The school freaked out because he's he. He was in California. He was never going to bomb the school. So what what do you think the that the the true picture that they're, they're trying to paint here? Like, you know, kind of a brief analysis like what why would this situation blow up to what it did, what happened? Well, either society is now what we say and do online and I'm an old fogey and I come from an era where your online persona is maybe not 100% reality. I mean, it just to me seems like everybody on Facebook is a bunch of fake bastards. Everybody's fa- everybody's fronting. So you don't take everything posted with 100% you know, truth to me. That's to me like it's like it's like when Trump tweets I'm like, "Okay, that's serious, but I mean, it's a fucking tweet, right? But this, but today, I think maybe the new reality is everything on 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 posted on on Facebook is like saying it in public to somebody's face. To me, they're two very different things. And you know, just to tangentially point out, I have had people that have trolled me and trolled me and trolled me, and then I meet them in person, and they're cool as ever, and they're nice, and they're friendly. <laughs> you know, it's it's like it's a totally different thing when you meet people in person. Yeah. So I I. I don't know. I'm not trying to condone his behavior, but it, to me, it sounds like a bunch of hype. It's trying to make up. It's trying to. It's trying to justify additional resources to pay cops to sit there and police Facebook. It's to pressure social media companies to help them sort out terrorists. Give them the keys so they can see the encrypted messages it's and awful. data. It's yeah. just. I don't know. Um, there's another story that really has me just shaking my head this week in our quote unquote cyber section. You remember the WannaCry um, malware that uh, was stopped by uh, a security researcher who just realized that it was trying to ping a domain. And if you had if you had something listening in that domain, the uh, ransomware essentially shut down. Uh, So uh, that that hero, he's he's a cyber researcher out of the UK. A big part of what he does is he he finds malware online and he essentially either decompiles it and figures it out or reverse engineers it and uh, sort of how he makes his money. He's at, so he comes over from the UK, he lands here in the States, he goes to DEF CON, he talks about the stuff he's been working on, uh, you know, he's involved in the community, he's getting a name known for himself, I've got links to his Twitter account and stuff in the show notes. And uh, so he leaves DEF CON, he's on his way home, and he gets arrested by the feds. The British computer hacker credited with stopping that notorious WannaCry cyber attacks allegedly admitted to police now that he created and sold malware designed to steal banking details. Marcus Hutchins was arrested at a hacking conference in Las Vegas, and he could face up to 40 years in prison if he's convicted. Even so, as lawyers say, he plans to plead not guilty on six accounts of creating and distributing a dangerous computer virus. Now, Marcus Hutchins is 23-year-old self-taught cyber expert. He's now being charged with creating and distributing the Kronos virus, which spreads through email attachments and steals banking details from infected computers then. I'll give you uh, some links for the show notes if you want more information. But one of the links in the show notes is a link to his Twitter feed. And in there... This is kind of a this is the big discrepancy to me for this entire story in he's tweeting and he's asking the Internet for samples of the Kronos malware because he wanted to take it apart. Now, if he's the author of it, why would he be asking for samples? Now, the day he tweets that his cohort is like a partner of his creates later in the day, creates a YouTube video about the Kronos malware. Presumably, he may have gotten his hands on it. They looked at it and they did a video. However, looking at the timeline 
uh, part of their case against him is that uh, it looks like he had some involvement with with distributing a copy of that malware, and they're using the video that his partner made uh, as proof. And so they're both they're both ha- going to have to uh, testify. And um, there's people that are trying to raise money to help him out. They uh, they they've revoked his passport, so wow. he's stuck here as this is getting worked out. And they're claiming that he distributed the uh, the malware, which may be technically true. If he got a copy of it and then wanted to take it apart and wanted to share it with people to take apart, he maybe they could be right because the the I believe the law is uh, if you share if you distribute the malware the the provision they're they're hitting him with in the face is if you distribute the malware to to ten or more computers and so if he shared it with a few systems and they have a few systems to test it on he may they very well may have him on a technicality oh boy so it's a story I'll be watching a little bit and you know the guy did good work with WannaCry too helping shut that down that was good work. Uh, you know, and probably uh, was, uh, I'm sure, a Putin operation. Well, he must have put on a white hat that day. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just not that simple. Maybe it's not that simple. Maybe it's it not one or zero when it comes to these people. Yeah. These people. These people. <laughs> so Putin's always watching things, playing 4D chess. And uh, one of those chess pieces, of course, is Paul Manafort. And it's looking like uh, about a month ago, something very interesting went down. And we're just finding out about it this week. CNN has just learned that the FBI raided the home of former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. Right, this is uh, CNN's reporting. The Washington Post has additional reporting on this, saying that it was in the early morning hours late last month. This was one day after, you'll remember, Manafort struck that deal with congressional leaders to meet with them voluntarily behind closed doors uh, on the Hill to meet with staff for the Senate Intelligence Committee Jessica Snyder, our justice correspondent, is following all of this. Jessica. This is interesting. We don't know a lot of information, but note it was the FBI, too. And remember, what's the, the basics of getting a search warrant? Do you guys remember? What do you or, mean the basics? Like, to get a search warrant, what do you need to have? Oh, evidence or, or compelling evidence or reason? Probable cause. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's another way. That's probably the correct way to put yes. it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they don't just hand them out just for, for fun and for <laughs> hunting expeditions. <laughs> no, that's, that is very true. So, also, speaking about the, I don't, I, I, I have, uh, I have, I don't have a lot to say about this one either, but uh, we also will, this will be one of those stories where eventually we'll learn more. Mueller has a grand jury, and now he wants documents. This late-breaking story from the New York Times tonight, Friday, Mueller's investigators bearing down on Michael Flynn's financial ties abroad, now asking the White House for documents related to Flynn, and they've questioned witnesses about whether he was secretly paid by the Turkish government during the final months of the Trump presidential campaign. This, according to people close to the investigation who spoke with the Times tonight. Now, the request... Now, that's pretty interesting. So they're really digging in on Flynn. They're really trying to figure that out. And so, yeah, you heard also heard him mention there's a, there is a grand jury that's been impaneled. This is actually the second grand jury. Kelly, bracing news for the White House bracing from the news. Wall Street Journal, bracing which news. just reported that special counsel Robert Mueller has impaneled a grand jury in Washington to investigate the links between the Trump campaign and Russia. Now, this is a broadening of the investigation from the one that he began when he was appointed by... Now, a grand jury is usually usually a panel of about 24 jury members, and uh, you present them with evidence before you take it to a trial, and they decide if it's legitimate or not, and often you'll impanel them in a district where you want to maybe do some trying, 
Uh, so that's an interesting thing. It's also for uh, you know evidence collection. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of reasons. It's not necessary for like charges. And it's also the reason why it's getting so much attention is it's also necessary to uh, issue an indictment. So it's like you have to get this. Yeah, that's 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's a little bit of inference. Bloomberg has a uh, a law professor they bring on to kind of break down what this new uh, impanelment of a grand jury really means. What can we deduce, if anything, about the rate of progression of this investigation and at what stage we're at? Well, I mean, by any measure, it's early in the investigation. Uh, and paneling a grand jury would suggest he has some evidence to present to that grand jury that could lead to an indictment. So I want to just stop right there. So we're early, but it looks like this is probably a good indication that he's got some evidence. Now, you just take that in also consideration what we just heard about Flynn. We could have some sparks. But we have no idea whatsoever the target or the subject of that possible indictment. It could be. It could be anything from low-level hackers to, uh, to people who are tangential uh, to the core issue of how the Russians meddled in the election. So it would have been a surprise if at some point he hadn't uh, impaneled a grand jury. But there's no question the timing of it is news. Uh, Jonathan, one of the big questions in D.C. right Let's stop right there. I really can't stand that guy. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. So this was sort of kind of expected, but at the same time, it means there probably is somebody that's going to get hung. Somebody's, you know, like this at this point, these are the, the machinery is now gearing up. But but Chris, Chris, this is just a witch hunt. This is just a witch hunt. You don't understand that. Where's the evidence? I haven't seen any evidence, Chris. I I uh, I think you're gonna you're gonna see a big talking point being that in D.C. the jury members are with a the ratio that they're gonna kick around is with a ratio of one to ten Democratic. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at his look at his staff. It's like they all donated to Hillary Clinton. There's where's the evidence? Uh, I I wonder if Flynn's gonna get hung out to dry because neither side really likes Flynn. I don't know if you remember, but Flynn was hired by Obama for a short period and then fired. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I I think we said on the show he didn't seem like a bad guy. And uh, <laughs> he's gonna be roasted. Oh man! And it might be all just because he got paid by RT to go to that event. Really? I mean, it could be because isn't Turkey a NATO member? I mean, aren't they supposed I to be? They were yeah. yeah. So why is it such a big deal? I mean, I I understand why it's a big deal, but I mean, like in the we all pretend like Turkey's cool and not a hostile government world why is it a big deal that he took money from turkey like it's funny how they'll say this is bad but then at the same breath they but but turkey's fine it's very strange we have more leaks and i think that's probably where where we should transition to michael flynn one of the og leaks out of the trump administration these days (laughs) so many more things have leaked since uh michael flynn's name was unmasked so now <laughs> we have one of these that I think is the most egregious leaks. Out of all of the leaks, I'm, a, I'm kind of in general a fan of the information we find out from the leaks just so that way we have an informed democracy. But there are some leaks where it seems like it crosses the line. Even though the contents that get revealed are kind of hilarious, it, releasing the actual transcripts of world leaders' calls feels like that could start really screwing stuff up. But... Uh, that's where we start. The White House furious this evening over new leaks. The phone calls that made headlines early on, President Trump and his first calls to world leaders. It turns out, though, the tension on the phone was worse than first reported. Tonight here, the actual transcripts from those calls. 
Here's ABC senior White House correspondent Cecilia Vega. So here's what happened is these um, have been circulating for a while. This was written up by a White House staffer to be disseminated to key White House staff. Rand's previous. And so they have been sort of available for a while. So if you've worked for the Trump administration is, since these calls, you had access to these if you're at a certain level, Rand's previous. Tonight, classified documents reveal the true nature of President Trump's phone calls with world leaders in the days after his swearing in. The Washington Post published leaked transcripts of two contentious conversations. Washington Post again. Huh. Um, in fact, uh, it, a lot of the stories we're going to talk about today are leaks in the Washington Post. They just keep getting all of the scoops. Washington Post, Washington Post. It's, it's a theme throughout the whole episode. The Post published leaked transcripts of two contentious conversations. The first with Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto, all about that wall. And who's going to pay for the wall? <laughs> that wall will go up so fast, your head will spin. Don't worry, we're building <laughs> it's the spin. wall. Don't worry. But on the phone, the Mexican president is firm, calling the idea that Mexico will pay for the wall completely unacceptable. President Trump responds, The fact is we are both in a little bit of a political bind. Because I have to have Mexico pay for the wall, I have to. I have been talking about it for a two-year period. This is an interesting insight to how he thinks, um, especially remember early on when he first got in, it was like they were just checking off a bunch of campaign promise boxes, including like travel bans. And it felt like some of it they were just doing just to check it off. And this sort of doubles down on that. He tells Peña Nieto the funding will work out in the formula somehow, adding it will come out in the wash and that is OK. You know, I re- that kind of thinking seems a little like exactly what government has gotten away with for too long. So it's a little disappointing to hear it. But that's also something that he's essentially said in public now. In fact, the president was already publicly laying the groundwork for the U.S. to pick up the initial tab. Are you going to direct U.S. funds to pay for this wall. Will American taxpayers pay for the wall? We're going to be starting those negotiations relatively soon, and we will be in a form reimbursed by Mexico, which I've always said. So they'll pay us back? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. The wall was President Trump's signature campaign promise. But in that phone call, he tells his Mexican counterpart, this is the least important thing that we are talking about. But politically, this might be the most important. Okay, so that's the big bombshell right there. In fact, let's do it again because this is the one that's getting all the headlines. In fact, it's the one the Washington Post actually calls out at the top of the article. Mexican counterpart, this is the least important thing that we are talking about. The wall? But politically, this might be the most important. All right, so that's... Let's read the whole transcript here. And you tell me what he's saying. It's, it's the Washington Post has it posted here. So I'm going to read it in context for you. Right. But you, this is Trump talking. But you got you to say it like Trump. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't think I can. <laughs> All right. uh, but you cannot say anymore the United States is going to pay for the wall. I'm just going to say that we're working it out. Believe it or not, this is the least important thing we are talking about. But politically, this might be the most important talk about. But in terms of dollars or pesos... It's the least important thing. I know how to build very inexpensively, so it'll be much lower than these numbers I'm being presented with, and it'll be better wall, and it will look nice, and it will do the job. If you read the whole thing, when he says, this might, he says, this is the least important thing we were talking about, but politically, this might be the most important to talk about, but in terms of dollars or pesos, it's the least important thing. Hmm. The, con- the quote is being taken out of context. The whole full quote is, it is 
politically, this is very important. But in terms of dollars, how we do it, that's the least important thing. It's going to get paid for. I'm such a genius when it comes to building that I'm going to build it cheaper than any of these government slobs think it can be built. Of course, that's not going to happen. But that's what he's saying here. That's how normal normal people would say, uh, this is politically super important to me. I've been talking about this for two years. I, the, the least important aspect of this entire thing to me, I got to be honest with you, is how we're going to pay for it. What's most important to me is that we just build the damn wall. That's how most people would say it. But that's not how Donald Trump speaks. I'm just going to say that we are working it out. Believe it or not, this is the least important thing that we are talking about. But politically, this might be the most important talk about. But in terms of dollars or pesos, it's the least important thing. I know how to build very inexpensively. Every single news outlet is reporting it that way. In fact, even at the very top, this this news article, they pull out key quotes and they say Trump describes the wall as the least important thing we're talking about. Well, that's kind of half-assed wrong. I mean, the thing that's the least important was how they're paying for it. I disagree. That seems like the most important issue to me, but... I don't know what to do with that story because everywhere is reporting it that way. But to me, that's not what that means. I'm not sure. Anyways, there was another there, – there's an even more damning uh, m- moments in these calls, though. They're flowing across the border into the U.S., adding, I won New Hampshire because New Hampshire is a drug-infested den. Aye. Tonight, New Hampshire Senator Maggie Hassan calling the president's comments disgusting. What? Oh, I'm surprised. <laughs> Telling our Mary Bruce. What an outrageous statement for him to make. I would be so furious if I were her. Th- I would is- be so mad. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the call outs that he did during these phone calls and conversations, you yeah. know, don't make me look bad. And yeah, it's yeah, it's damning. It, yeah, it's very damning. Whew, it's, it's freaky that guy's in there sometimes when you think about it. But it's, at the other time, it, they uh, I have to remember that so much of it is a game of optics when you're the president. The transcripts leaked today also show just how bad things got between President Trump and Australia's Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. This is my you favorite. Hear about the tough phone calls I'm having. Don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. On the phone, the president furious about inheriting an Obama-era deal to accept more than 1,200 refugees from Australia, telling the prime minister, this is going to kill me. I am the world's greatest person that does not want to let people into the country. Isn't that I am the world's greatest person? That's how he talks. This is the problem with the way he speaks. He speaks in a way that is, he has the best words. They just don't come out in the best order. So I am. So that sounds he, like a Trump quote in its, it's own. It's like right. what he's really saying is, what he's really saying is, uh, nobody. Uh, well, Minister, this is me. going to kill me. I am the world's greatest person that does not want to let people into the country. Because when he says a line like that, is he saying I'm so great, but I don't want to let people in, or is he saying I'm so well known for not wanting to let these, these, these and, guys in? And, and and this is where, I mean, gosh. I mean, do we have conversations from previous presidents to other prime ministers and stuff? I assume that we way have back we have some tapes way back. But I mean, this what it, what it feels like to me, and I was th- dwelling on this to myself, and this kind of brings into the context that, and I've f- fought way back, you know, maybe to Reagan, Reagan and Clinton and Bush and all these Obama, that even while you know they're doing their thing, and you may not have voted for them. Sometimes you get this feeling that you know maybe they do care about both sides. They care about the country. They care about what's going on. When he speaks, I feel like he either only cares about one segment of the country, the people who voted for him, and himself. But himself is more. And it's it's all about optics and it's all about yes. these kind of statements yeah. and it just yep. it's so sad. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exclamation mark. So he's really, so he keeps calling in this, I've read the transcript, the whole transcript. In this call, he keeps saying, I can't let 2,000 people in. And of course, uh, Turnbull says, it's, this is the Prime Minister of Australia. He says, it's not 2,000, it's 1,200. And what's so funny is Trump is not listening. Read the transcript. I have it linked in the show notes. He's essentially telling Trump, you don't have to take any of these sons of bitches. Because what he says is what the United States has agreed to is to vet them. They could all fail the vetting. They don't have to, you don't have to let them in. But Trump is so stuck on the optics of it that he never lets up. This is going to kill me. I can't let these people in. This is going to be a bad deal for me. And the whole time the guy is saying, let them in, then do quote-unquote extensive vetting and refuse them all. But he can't say that because that would be illegal and go against the, the agreement. But he's essentially trying to tell Trump the entire phone call. There is a loophole that was built in by politicians to make you guys look good, but still let you not have to take a single one of you them. You have an out. And yes. Trump, it never lands on him. The entire time, it never lands on him. He just keeps talking about how it's a bad deal for him. Telling the prime minister, this is going to kill me. I am the world's greatest person that does not want to let people into the country. He says the deal will make him look terrible, like a weak and ineffective leader and a dope. The president abruptly ending the conversation. That is enough, Malcolm. I have had it. This is the most unpleasant call all day. Putin was a pleasant call. This is ridiculous. Really? He had to mention that? That's so great. It's so great. And here's what I think. What if this is a Trump negotiating tactic where he's he knows that I can I can pressure him about the image of it. I can play into people's stereotype about me. I can use this as leverage to try to get him to move. And then I'll throw this Putin line at him to really tell him I'm up to make him really think I'm upset. And then he ends the phone call. And that's where he starts to negotiate him from. Man. And Cecilia Vega with us live tonight as well as the rain comes down there in Washington. Cecilia, we knew about these calls. You reported on them, but we did not have such detail. Yeah, David, this is excruciating detail for this White House. And now even the top Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee is calling for an investigation. Mark Warner saying this is absolutely troubling. David, he says a president should be able to have confidential conversations. (laughs) <laughs> not anymore not anymore now when he says something embarrassing everybody gets to know about it the trump administration escalating its war on leakers this is where it's going to lead to and this is the problem where i was like really i really thought obama's handling post snowden leaks was was really kind of unfortunate. I was hoping that they would actually make legitimate ways for whistleblowers to have safe avenues to communicate, not chicken shit, uh, uh, cardboard stand-up avenues that are just used to suppress revealing of information. And so the the Obama administration cracked down on leaks in a pretty significant way, and, and that was disappointing. I would I would w- wager to bet that. Uh, the Obama crackdown is going to look like uh, kindergarten compared to what the Trump administration is going to do as a response swing to this. And this is going to hurt. This is long term probably going to hurt information that the U.S. public receives. So you got to imagine, right? Like, what are they going to do? This is the biggest thing plaguing their administration right now. So eventually the apparatus is going to get its shit together. The bureaucracy is going to come together and the bureaucrats are going to go after these sons of bitches, you and stay. they're going to shut this thing down, yeah. and we're going to ha- this place is going to leak 
Uh, it's going to leak a hell of a lot less. Well, all you need is just get more military people in there, and well, that's exactly what the that that's where I'm going with this. Like it's yeah. it's leading to drastic measures, like generals coming in, uh, tons clearing out of staff. Like when this kind of stuff starts to happen, it's going to cause a swing within the government that I have to imagine long term isn't good for the people. With the DOJ saying they're pursuing three times as many leak investigations as the last administration. I have this warning for would be leakers. Don't do it. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who endured withering criticism from the president for recusing himself in the Russia investigation, now doing the one thing the president's demanding. And if he doesn't, Trump will just ridicule him again on Twitter. So he's basically got him in a in a hard spot. Sessions has to make this a priority of the Justice Department or else his boss begins to shame him publicly into resigning. Cracking down, creating a new unit inside the FBI to find leakers. That I'm really worried about. Another layer of bureaucracy. Yeah, another An- unit in the FBI. Jesus. Cracking down on government employees. I wonder what the logo will look like. Will it be, look like a leaky pipe? It'll probably be the Facebook logo because it's probably going to be mostly them mm-hmm. going after people for sharing location or pictures or stupid stuff on Facebook that, they, that they're going to say is too revealing. I mean, let's be honest. That's what these guys are going to do most of the time. And even ordering a review of the department's <laughs> policy on subpoenaing records from reporters. Oh, now what does that mean exactly? And, and by the way, I, I know that, uh, I think it was Paul Ryan actually came out and said, uh, that's, no, that's not a good idea. <laughs> Anyone who engages in these criminal acts is betraying the intelligence community and the American people. The announcement against leakers has been long planned, but comes a day after the Washington Post published transcripts of the president's phone calls with two foreign leaders. So yeah, it seems like if you want to figure out who the leak- leakers are, uh, you just got to crack that guy at the Washington Post or gal that's uh, getting all the information. Like, go get yourself implanted at the you Washington know, they, Post. They can subpoena all they want, but there's one amendment that kind of gets in the way of that. Oh, that, that damn free speech thing? Yeah, that damn free speech thing. General Freedom of the press. says that you are going to also review the policy when it comes to reporters and whether or not you'll try to subpoena information from them to disclose their sources. Here's how Mr. Sessions put it. We respect the important role that the press plays, and we'll give them respect. But it is not unlimited. They cannot place lives at risk with impunity. But the head mm. of the Reporters Committee for the Freedom of the Press says mm-hmm. when the, what the Attorney General is suggesting is a dangerous threat to the freedom of the American people to know and understand what their leaders are doing and why. I'll double think that. I think that's an overreaction, Chris. The attorney general has been very clear. This is the uh, this is the guy that sits under the attorney general. So this is uh, the guy. The that, assistant attorney general. Yep. Yeah, we're after the the guy that is sort of. I mean, he's going to be. Well, he's the guy that put the, the special prosecutor Miller yeah, in place. And uh, he, but Sessions is his boss, so yes. he has to really walk a tight line here. Yeah, we're after the leakers, not the journalists. We're after people who are committing crimes, uh, and so we're going to devote the resources we need to identify who is responsible for those leaks and who has violated the law and hold them accountable. Well, uh, there are a couple of aspects to that. Uh, first of all, you say you're after the leakers, not the reporters. Uh, President Trump has reportedly suggested at, at, at one point prosecuting the reporters if they leak, class, I mean, if they publish classified information. Are you ruling that out? Chris, we have the same position on that, I think, as Attorney General Holder. That is that we don't prosecute journalists for doing their jobs. We look at the facts and circumstances of each case, and we determine whether somebody's committed a crime and whether it's appropriate to hold them accountable for it. How do you feel about that answer? 
<clears throat> we don't need to let him go. It's, 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 a, it's a non-answer. Is that how you feel? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Remember. I mean, I it, when they file their first lawsuit, then we'll see what happens. But right now, I feel like it's just kind of a bit of a, a scare tactic. So just a bit, a couple of more Trump things before we get to North Korea that I want to talk to you about. Um, now, you know that I have had this weird-ass conspiracy bacon theory on the show for a while now. And it's been and, peppered thick bacon, too. It, you know, it's... Uh, is it... Okay. Um, no, maybe it's not. A, it's it's not a conspiracy. I, I, I'll frame it differently. Um, frame it as a thought technology in which to view information. How do you like that? Okay. Uh, a thought model, if you will. So, you know, I've proposed that the reason why Obama golfed so much and the CIA director golfs so much and the FBI director golfs so much and President Trump golfs so much is, You've said this before. I know where you're going. Is they can go out there and they can have a friend, or they often have some people in their administration with them, and they can have conversations that don't have microphones, that don't get leaked, and that don't have to be official. They can be they can be on the record. They're ga- they're playing a game of golf. They're not meeting with somebody, so there there are all kinds of legal loopholes with that that they don't have to be documented for the president or the FBI director or the DNI. Uh, so, or the CIA director, all of, all of them who are constantly golfing, uh, meeting with people on the golf course. It, to me, seems like it is a classic politician's unofficial meeting place yeah. where they can have conversations about the guy they're going to kill or the place they're going to invade or the money they're going to launder or the heads up on a thing that's coming down the pipeline or the strategy they're trying to formulate they can talk about it frankly, whereas if they talk about it at the White House, some son of a bitch is going to leak it to the Washington Post. Right. Now, I don't know if this is true, but use that thought technology as we listen to this next clip. For President Trump, golf is more than just a game. It's a way of life. It seems he'd rather entertain world leaders like Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe on the links than in the White House. Now, uh, you know what's interesting? Nothing that they've talked about at the golf course was leaked. Nothing that he's talked about with any world leader he's ever met at a golf course has ever been leaked. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. And Trump casual? It's not jeans and sneakers. It's khaki pants and golf shoes, even for a visit to tour the U.S.-Mexico border as a candidate. In March, the president held a meeting with several cabinet secretaries at his course near Washington, and he's spending a 17-day working vacation at his Bedminster, New Jersey golf club. And I will bet you nothing leaks. I, uh, I find that to be a very interesting possibility. Plus, they get to screw off and play golf and get sunshine and get some exercise. Like, I'm not, I'm not denying there's and, also and, that and, positive and what, and what about the, the pay going back to his clubs? Right. Well, I mean, that's definitely one thing to talk about. But the other thing that's worth, I mean, the thing the media loves hammering about, of course, is how much he went after Obama during the election. Oh, gosh. He just, the uh, hypocrisy is amazing. They love, this. they love, so yeah, they, everybody loves, I mean, this is something that gets pointed out constantly, of course. And Obama for golfing. Everything's executive order because he doesn't have enough time because he's playing so much golf. I'm going to be working for you. I'm not going to have time to go play golf. He played more golf last year than Tiger Woods. I love golf. I think it's one of the greats, but I don't have time. But I'm not going to be playing much golf. Believe me, if I win this, I'm not going to be playing much golf. At this point in his presidency... Now, I got a theory for you. Because what do we know about Donald Trump? There's probably only one thing he likes more than golf. Maybe his family, but besides that... Money. No, Donald Trump. 
Oh, wow. I mean, what do we just see from those leaks? He's constantly talking about how it's going to look for him, how it's going to kill him, yeah. how it's going to be perceived. He wants to improve his golf game. He knows the media hits him on this constantly. He knows because he watches the. He, we know he watches the news all the time. He's very. No, he watches Fox all the time. But he's very aware. Even Fox. Even Fox has a story this they, week they about it. They did yeah, cover that. They wow. do. They don't often, but this week they do. Wow. Um, I, and I'll tell you. You know what? There's got to be a bigger reason why he's doing it. I'm just putting that out there. He must know. He knows how it looks. He knows what he said. And he got into the office and like, uh, Mr. President, um, let me tell you a little secret. Uh, these golf outings are more than just playing golf. Um, this is a way for us to have an off-the-record conversation. And Trump's all about having off-the-record. I mean, as soon as you tell Trump this is how you can have off-the-record conversations that don't get leaked, he's golfing all the time. Let me ask you this, Chris. I mean, I know you have some great childrens. They're good kids, right? Mm. Um, how many times um, have you told them not to get that cookie in the cookie jar? And, or a fudge sickle in the or freezer. Or a fudge sickle in the freezer. Yeah, and, yeah. and then all of a sudden, you notice around the mouth, there's a little bit of fudge sickle there. And yeah. then you ask them, hey, what are you doing? Well, what's that? Oh, nothing, Dad. I think you know. So at you, some point, he's going to get caught. You think uh, if, if what you say oh, is true? Oh, oh, yeah, I agree. I think this administration eventually that's going to leak out. So eventually, it'll be like, hey, you know why Trump goes on all these golfing? He's having illegal off the record meetings. There'll be a mic in the club face, and or then something. they'll be like, is it our obstruction? Is he talking about the Russia investigation while he's golfing? Like it'll be a huge controversy. Controversy, I bet you. Yeah. Um, I don't know it, because the the thing that the thing that holds true for me is the one thing that Donald Trump is always the most aware of is how Donald Trump is perceived. Oh yeah, and so he has to be aware of the way this looks. There must be more to it than just playing golf. Or this man is so fucking crazy about golf that he's willing to be hit about this from every network now. And I just don't. That doesn't compute. I think I think he bends over backwards to make the world see him in a certain way. Well, it, it also personally bothers me that, you know, he's spending the time at the golf courses of his own. Like, you know, it's money that's going essentially back into his company. I agree. I think, though, uh, again, I think that's because he has to go on safe territory where he knows things aren't going to leak. And his right. his golf his golf clubs, if that's the right courses, whatever, yeah. uh, resorts are safe territory. They're like yeah. they're like the places he knows because he controls everything about them. Yeah. So he knows if they're bugging. Or not. I mean, I know it's bringing in money. Too. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, and he goes up and he chats with people, and which makes makes it weird when you know he comes out and he says, you know, we need to stop the the transgen- uh, stop transgender people from coming into our military because it's, we're wasting so much money on it. Yet, like one weekend is the entire budget of the transgender, you know, surgeries and other things that the military has to handle. You know, it's those kind of weird concepts. To oh, me when that- it comes to the military, money. I mean, I know that people in the military say it's always constantly things are bad, but of yeah. course, how much we spend in total is is insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know these are expensive trips. I'm not saying that's what it is. I say that it's a possibility. No, it's definitely a possibility. Uh, so let's talk about the generals, and then we'll go get to North Korea. Sir! So you and I, and I've been. It's funny because out all the conversations we had in the last few weeks, this one I've been chewing on the most off air is what is with all the generals around Trump, and, and what does that mean? Are we seeing some Sorry sort of slow motion coup? Like, what is happening? And that's why when I heard the news that General McAllister uh, was on thin ice with Trump, I kind of I kind of listened up. Breaking tonight, President Trump reportedly growing more frustrated with our progress in Afghanistan. All right, so this is how it's being framed. It's uh, McMaster. Uh, did I say McAllister? McMaster. Sorry. McMaster. Uh, 
it's not that it's a personal thing between McMaster and Trump. It's that Afghanistan isn't going right. That's what it's about. Where earlier this week, two U.S. Army soldiers were killed when their convoy was hit by an explosive device, four others were injured. And just yesterday, a suicide bomber attacked a NATO convoy. So the, this is how the Fox piece frames it. Uh, it's, it's just really just about his performance. Yeah, Trump's going to fire another person, but it's really about his performance. Um, there could be another side. Here's RT's take on it. Let's focus on what's happening uh, in the White House. The latest major reshuffle among Donald Trump's top team has seen a series of sackings among his national security aides. But even the man in charge of the dismissals is in the firing line over what might have driven his decisions. With more, Caleb Mopin now. General McMaster, national security advisor to Donald Trump. His loyalty to the president is supposed to be a default quality. And that's something, of course, Donald Trump uh, values very much. Notice how they haven't said anything about Afghanistan. Except now, instead, it's widely in question. McMaster made a decision to allow Susan Rice, his predecessor in the job and longtime Obama ally, to keep full access to classified information. Did you know this? What? Yeah, McMaster uh, pulled special strings to let Susan Rice retain her national security clearance. Why? The National Security Council will continue to work with you to ensure the appropriate security clearance documentation remains on file to allow you access to classified information. This revelation emerged just weeks after it was revealed that Susan Rice had been unmasking members of the Trump team who happened to be mentioned in classified intelligence reports. By default, the names are redacted, but Susan Rice had been making sure that the names and information was readily available to anyone with a clearance to see classified government documents and potentially leak this information to the media. Susan Rice's actions were flagged by Ezra Cohen Watnick. I'm going to pack that, unpack that a little bit uh, and repackage it in another, say it another way. Susan Rice didn't reveal the names directly to the media. Susan Rice made steps to make sure that a large swath, literally millions of federal employees could access this information. And by doing so, made it possible for literally millions of people to potentially leak it. So the, the, that's why there's so many leaks, is lots of this information was opened up to lots of people in different positions. A member of the Trump administration since January. Apparently, his revelation struck the wrong chord with McMaster, who has now dismissed him. So that person that found out this thing about uh, Rice fired. And wow. not only found out about Rice, but found out that she was still actively post-Obama administration during the current Trump administration. She was still flagging uh, 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 these national security like blocks to uh, uh, unmask the names. Still, that's kind of a big deal. And it appears that's how it works with the general. If he doesn't like you, you go. These people laid the very foundation of Trump's foreign policy promises as a candidate. They're showing a series of names of people that uh, McMaster has fired. We've been moving from one reckless intervention to another. In Libya, Syria, Iraq, Iran. So basically a lot of the, East, the reports say a lot of people that wrote some of those talking points in the campaign that now work for Trump no longer work for Trump, that McMaster fired them. And now, so it's interesting when you look at that Fox report that says that McMaster and the White House are on the ropes. Could be because of that Susan Rice stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, all right. So you ready to switch to the big topic of the week? It's the one that everybody's talking about. It's North Korea. Yep. It's, it's the one that's got everybody's attention right now. Down in California, they're running drills. Did you know this? 
No. So yeah, some of the schools are running drills oh, in case no. North Korea's missiles come raining down. It's a big story right now in the States, and uh, this, this clip will help frame it up a little bit. All-out war with North Korea. A real possibility being put forth tonight by a key member of the Senate Armed Services Committee. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham told NBC's Today Show President Trump told him there will be war with North Korea if Kim Jong-un's regime continues on its path of threatening America with its missile program. Graham says Trump discussed the possible casualties with him. If there's going to be a war to stop him, it will be over there. If thousands die, they're going to die over there, and they're not going to die here. And he's told me that to my face. Let's stop there. So this, this just, I just want to sort of give you an idea of what the stakes are here. This, this getting the, the level here is getting pretty amped up. But let's go back in time and sort of build context for you, including a couple. Uh, we're going to take a couple trips down memory lane to really flesh out the context. Um, and we're going to start with a couple of weeks ago. Uh, last month, there was a one of their quote-unquote most successful test launches yet, which actually turned out to be in the flight path of a jet. Turns out North Korea's missile launch last Friday night was a potential risk to commercial jetliners. The missile landed in the Sea of Japan, close to where an Air France plane from Tokyo to Paris had flown just minutes earlier. Oops! Today, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson... That's a... Ooh, so, okay, so oh, let's, boy. let's rewind the clock a little bit. So North Korea has uh, has sort of been a boogeyman in the headlines for quite a while. They get a lot of, they get a, they get a, they get a, they make a lot of noise from time to time. And it's just something that goes back nearly 30 years. And recently, one of the newer spins on this has been, it's not just their missile program, it's also their cyber activity. They have been really active in cyber attacks. They have been. Um, they did the Sony attack from several years ago. Oh, that really... Uh, st- <laughs> that kind of triggers me, Chase. You know that grinds yeah, my gears. I know it does. There have been attacks in South Korea that are attributed to the North Koreans. Those are also... That that attack is also a such a crap, bogus... We covered it in TechSnap. It, it was like a it was like a TV station. It was so fake. They're also active uh, in attacks against financial institutions. I mean, one of the, one of the concerns about North Korean cyber, which is not quite as good as Russian or Chinese cyber or even Iranian cyber for that matter, but is actually pretty darn good for. So they got some pretty darn good cyber. They got some pretty darn good cyber. So they got not only this missile program, but they got some pretty darn good cyber. So watch out. Because now it looks like they may have a nuke. I want to bring in Michael Oslin. He's director of Japan Studies at the American Enterprise Institute. And he joins us now. Sir, is this the last piece to the nuclear puzzle for the North Koreans? So is this the last piece? What's changed this week is an anonymous source (laughs) leaked to the Washington Post that someone in the intelligence agency believes they have a nuke program. Now, they didn't leak... The level of, um, you know, like they'll, they'll say we're very confident or we believe, you know, like they have different like levels yeah, of yeah. confidence. Kind of like the uh, color levels of our yeah. uh, security system. They didn't they didn't leak that part. So they leaked that somebody in the intelligence agency thinks that they have it, but they didn't leak how sure they are. Uh, I think it is. Um, actually, should mention that I'm at the Hoover Institution at Stanford Pardon University me. now. That's okay. Um, look, it's something that, uh, as you mentioned, has been uh, the holy grail. It's what they've been working towards. We've been getting signals for several years now that they were getting closer and closer. Now, you will still have different groups within the intelligence community disputing whether they actually have the ability to miniaturize the the warheads and mate them to missiles, whether those warheads can survive reentry, the number 
number and the like. So there's a lot we don't know. And this has been a problem now for a really, really long time. I uh, I present you uh, something from the Wayback Machine here. Ah, yes. Hey, I like what you've done with the place. 1994. President Bill Clinton. Today I want to announce an important step forward in the situation in North Korea. This is uh, during his first term. This afternoon we have received formal confirmation from North Korea that it will freeze the major elements of its nuclear program while a new round of talks between our nations proceeds. All right, so then we flash forward to uh, Bill Clinton's re-election, and guess what was the topic of the debates? The question is, what should we do with North Korea? This is a very serious thing. North Korea has said they want a non-nuclear Korean peninsula. So, of course, this was a topic um, even in 1999 when uh, future president Donald Trump in 1999, jumped in on it. We heard Donald Trump today. Let's listen to him back in 1999. Watch this. Thanks. First, I'd negotiate. I would negotiate like crazy, and I'd make sure that we tried to get the best deal possible. The biggest problem this world has is nuclear proliferation. And we have a country out there in North Korea, which is sort of wacko, which is not a, dumb, not a bunch of dummies, and they are going out and they are developing nuclear weapons. So this is 99, where uh, Trump was apparently tapped in and tuned well, in to well, that. Well, he, he, he actually sounds a little, like, logical there. Yeah, yeah. That's weird to me. Uh, I'm this, sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> there is there, – while there is a lot of talk right now about uh, what could happen next – at various points in history, I hope I'm making this point. I could have gone back to Obama, too. Uh, this has been a huge story. This exact situation has happened. But there is something new now. There is There are there are situations that are different besides just Trump. But we'll get there. <laughs> we will get there. A newness, if you will. There is a newness to this situation, Mr. Newness. And um, it begins with actions on both sides. So let's start with our side and the new sanctions. North Koreans lining up to watch state-owned TV, threatening the U.S. with a thousands-fold revenge for what they call villainous U.N. sanctions. So we got these new U.N. sanctions, and the big deal about these uh, villainous U.N. sanctions isn't so much what they do, because they could do a lot more. It's more about who they do it with. And that's the really big deal, because uh, your good buddy, my friend, Vlad, uh, he signed on to the new sanctions, but even more importantly, Importantly, China signed on to the sanctions. Yeah. And that's a really big deal because China has an important role in this. Haley has spoken about uh, why it's so important that China gets on board with efforts like this. China is North Korea's most significant ally. 90% of North Korea's trade is credited to China. And uh, the question now moving forward on this is whether China will follow through and actually implement these sanctions. A senior State Department official says that the list of things that China could be doing is still much larger than the list of things China has done on this front to confront North Korea. So this is all part of what the Secretary of State is doing in Southeast Asia right now, trying to get U.S. allies and U.S. adversaries to come on board and uh, really cut North Korea off. To isolate them, to punish them. Um, And I think there's a calculus happening. I think the calculus is that they are actually not crazy that they're not actually the lunatics that they're portrayed in the media. And I th- I think that there is a two-pronged diplomatic message being sent. 
And the first prong, the tip of that spear, is the Donald. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury. You notice this is his speech cadence, not his random uh, blabbing cadence. This is this is Donald Trump has a prompter cadence, which this one is, and he has his rambling cadence, what, which is the ones we heard in the leaks. What I want to know is why is it that Trump, the whole fire and fury thing, is very similar to what Harry Truman said, President Truman. Because I think he's trying to send a message, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, is he trying to mirror Truman here? I mean, his words, I mean, they're they're almost too exact. I don't think he wrote them. So watch. Now, the rest of the speech, he starts looking down at a piece of paper. All right. Like the world has never seen. Right there. Boom. He starts looking down. He starts reading. From this moment on, he's essentially checking his notes as he goes. This reporter, they knew was going to... This reporter was was probably, you know, hey, ask this. Uh, Yeah. He has... He's reading, still reading. ...been very threatening uh, beyond a normal statement. Now, there's a moment in here I believe is improv, and I think he has a tell. And as I said, they will be met with five... So now he's reread the notes, and he's repeating it. So this isn't improv. He's just making sure he's got it all, so he's rereading it like a good little boy like he's been told to. And as I said, they will be met with fire, fury, and frankly... Right there. That's the improv. This is where Donald Trump's like, I'm the boss. I can say what I want. I add my own thing. This is where he's like, this is where Donald Trump says, he adds his own little line. I'm still the decider. I, I put a little flair in there. It's the same message the boys wanted me to pass along, but I added my own flair. So when he says, and frankly, that's him switching from script to improv. Met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. Now, he said that before, but people really freaked out uh, when, when he said that. And uh, North Korea had a pretty strong response to Trump's attitude and the sanctions. As expected, more rhetoric from North Korea a short time ago. The state-run news agency KCNA issuing a statement saying that North Korea's military is, quote, examining the operational plans to strike around Guam with medium to long-range ballistic missiles. Ooh, we're going to get you. I mean, it's, it's pretty specific. They uh, they they went on their state television and said, we're making plans right now to strike Guam. And that's that's amazing. And you you bet you bet the nuke hype went into 11. Of course, it's not just Washington and Seoul on high alert. North America's West Coast could theoretically be within striking range. And while the reality of that happening remains far from clear, some people in California are preparing themselves. By the way, that guy in that B-roll they're just sort of playing in the background, he's holding radiation detectors. Oh, man. Kim Brunhuber has that. Of course, the last thing these young Californians are thinking about is North Korea and those so-called unexpected gift packages the regime threatened to send across the Pacific. But some Californians over 40 are getting that feeling again, the one they had growing up during the Cold War. Oh. That at any moment, in a flash and a cloud, everything could end. I do think about it, and I'm really scared. I mean, I think what we need to start thinking about investing in is to start building bunkers. <laughs> wow. That's how serious I take it. Now, this has been going on for 30 years, but, you know, she's so scared she's going to invest in bunkers. And maybe it's because some media, not all, but some, 
like your good buddy, my friend, Bry Y. Ah, uh, Bry Y. Are trying to scare the hell out of people. I love Bry Y. He's really, you know, Chase, uh, you know, Brian Williams, he. He's a new face for 11 o'clock. Yeah, 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 which is the. <laughs> yeah. He is really trying to scare the hell out of people. And it's not me saying that. It's, uh, well, it's Brian Williams. Mike even think about something preemptively. Uh, Malcolm, our job tonight actually is to scare people to death on this subject so the talk isn't as free as it is. You know what? He stole that from somebody. You know, yeah, he, it is the same. He does this. This is what he does. Right, but, but he, he does it so clumsy that, it, like, remember when he talked about the beautiful missiles? Remember how he just well, there, butchered there that was, whole thing? There was a Vox uh, strike-through video a few days ago talking about how Newsreaders and reporters have a responsibility not to be monotone, but actually tell mm-hmm. it like it is, like and, and show yeah. feeling. And here's Brian Williams. So I'll play this. Stealing, and then that. I, I kind of. It actually is to scare people to death on this subject, so the talk isn't as free as it is. To summarize what he's stealing, uh, the 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 theory goes that uh, if everybody is sort of bored and sort of nonchalant about everything, the duty falls upon the vocal to whip them up into a frenzy to get them to act because that's what it takes to get them to act at all. And so the the grand justification there is, well, it's my job to whoop them up all into a fury so that way they actually do something. Otherwise, they're just going to sit there on their lazy asses drinking Budweiser. Yeah, or or they think, you know, when when you have a reporter or an anchor say something very serious and they start joking around with the panel, they're like, man, can you believe Trump is doing this? Ha, ha, ha. People don't take it seriously because they feel like it's not really that important. It's not a big mm-hmm. deal. It's true because everything's so politi- politi- right. political, I guess. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Guam. Though. Let's go back to Guam for a second. Poor Guam, man. So I started looking into some stuff about Guam. Uh, some of this I knew from World War II history. Some of this I didn't. I just got to play a little bit of this for you guys. This is an, a piece from Australia. Uh, after I saw this, I really feel bad. Like you got to think about the people. There's some good people there. The, the people on the island right now who are technically U.S. citizens but have no voting rights yeah. are just sort of pawns in this really awful situation. And uh, this is just this is just part of an ongoing shit sandwich that has been served up to the Guam people for quite a while now. For generations, the people of Guam have felt the impact of outside military might. Since the 17th century, this small Pacific island has been captured by the Spanish, the Americans and the Japanese. It was retaken by the US at the end of the Second World War and remains a US territory. Today, American military bases take up a third of the island. Now, the people of Guam are again bracing for a massive military intrusion. America's military planners have decided Guam will become a rapid response platform in the Pacific. 8,000 Marines and 9,000 family members will be transferred from Okinawa, Japan. There'll be a huge build-up of military hardware, including new Air Force surveillance capabilities, the hosting of nuclear aircraft carriers and a ballistic missile defence task force. 
now you can kind of get an idea of why maybe North Korea would be targeting Guam. By the way, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting why Australia, you got this report from Australia, Guam. By the way, that was from 2008. Yeah, uh, Guam is one of the, I think it's like one of the top tourist destinations for Australians just because they can go Austra- uh, they can go to Guam, shop, do the outlet thing, oh, yeah. and they go back home. Huh. So it's a very highly big vacation spot for most of those people in the South Pacific. So here's a bit about North Korea going after Guam. This is a, a clip from their uh, state television. The KPA strategic force is carefully examining the operational plan for making an enveloping fire at the areas around Guam with medium to long-range strategic ballistic rocket Hoisong-12. This is to contain the major U.S. military bases on Guam, including the Anderson Air Force Base, from which the U.S. strategic bombers, which irritate the DPRK and threaten and blackmail it through their frequent visits to the sky above South Korea. They do run intensive military uh, training drills. The U.S. Air Force says two of its B-1B bombers took off from Guam on Tuesday and joined Japanese and South Korean fighter jets for a mission flying over the Korean Peninsula. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a little agitating. Yeah. The U.S. maintains a regular bomber presence in the region. Now, what uh, obviously is a overwhelming show of force, those planes alone could wipe them out. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it, could you imagine? Could you imagine if Russia just constantly was flying around planes around our border that could wipe out the entire United States? <laughs> wow, that would really be a thing. Uh, or, or, you know, even if the even if the Canadians were doing it or anyways, we're um, 1812. But we don't call it like a show of force. We don't call it uh, like a threat. Um, we don't call it like we're gonna we're standing by to blow your asses up any second. We have the most 1984 newspeak Orwellian term as part of what its air force calls a demonstration of its commitment to security and stability. <laughs> <laughs> so we're paying to have basically NATO members fly around all the time, fueled up in air with things that could blow up entire nations. As a show of stability, ah. I like our, I like that. I feel I feel better now. Actually, I would probably get a little annoyed by that too. Regular bomber presence in the region as part of what its air force calls a demonstration of its commitment to security and stability. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So you got Trump, who's talking super hard. He's you know, watch out, fire and fury, like the world has never seen before. Uh, you know, really like watch out, the madman's coming for you. Although you got to admit, it looked like he was reading from a script. The the oh yeah, he's almost looking down it. for his talking point. First part, he's looking right at the the reporter that asked the question, but the second part of it, he's looking down at a piece of paper. He wanted to get Truman's uh, quote right. And so, on the other end, on the other end of the spear, you have Tillerson, who's playing good cop, and uh, he says there's nothing to worry about. Notable that the Secretary of State made these remarks on his way to Guam, the island that North Korea says it's carefully considering an attack on. Oh, yeah, that's kind of a relevant part, too. In fact, he is so underscoring the point that he's he's flying. He's in Guam. He's going to Guam. I don't think I mean, like you could. It's like it's one thing to be a politician and say anything for the camera. It's another thing to actually put your ass in Guam. Yeah. (laughs) The secretary says that he has thought of no change in plans to that itinerary coming back to the United States. He didn't want to avoid Guam. And he says he believes there is no imminent threat. I think Americans. By the way, stop. See the monitor behind him? Mm. Just keep an eye on it, because you can see where he's coming from. Yeah, it's true. He's, he's coming yeah. from the uh, Philippines, I believe. Sleep well at night. I have no concerns about uh, this particular uh, rhetoric of the last few days. I think the, the president, again, uh, as commander-in-chief, I think he felt it necessary to issue a very strong statement directly to North Korea. 
But I think what the president was just reaffirming is the United States has the capability to fully defend itself from any attack and defend our allies. Yeah, he's trying to scare the shit out of him. He's trying to say, you know, the world thinks you're crazy and the world thinks I'm crazy and I'm going to out-crazy you. I really think is what Donald Trump was doing. And then you got Tillerson there coming to play the diplomat. Shouldn't it be the other way around? I mean, shouldn't we have a president that's kind of calming the American people down, saying that this is not a you know a yeah. huge threat? Picture not, it for a moment, though. Yeah. So imagine for a moment if what happened was is somebody from the you know intelligence agency that's inside of Kim Jong's head oh, says, crap. "I got to say something." He said, "Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to forget this." President Trump, Rex Tillerson, you know, they believe the intelligence that North Korea has a nuclear weapon, right? They believe that intelligence, but yeah. they don't believe the other intelligence. You can't believe w- one section of intelligence and then yeah. call out your intelligence well, agency. Well, I suppose. I could see it. But see, you got to figure, like, one group, one set of intelligence is coming from the guys that they've put in, and another set of intelligence is coming from the guys Obama put in. Uh, fair enough. Okay. So I think it's— I back down. But I, I, I think <laughs> probably what's got, what's got to be here is, like, got to be playing into the perception around Trump. Around, especially around North Korea's perception of Trump. Mm-hmm. That could be what's happening, or it could be he improved. Either way, Tillerson's going to be hanging out in Guam. And I think people that are running the show know that this has been going on for like 30 years. And the tone has changed. But I, I, I could be wrong, but my gut tells me that they do this every time a new administration comes in. Uh, you, know, you know what? I kind of vaguely remember this happening when Obama took yeah. office. And, and it did. Then, it, it, did. it happened Bush, to Clinton. Yep. And yeah, it's happened. So yeah, and, good point. And the family, it's just the, the way the family... I think it's the way the family negotiates with the West. It's the way that it's like Trump style negotiation. Yeah, I suppose. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I'd like to hear the audience's thoughts. So let us let us know what you guys think. But Chase, yes, Chris, my time. I reclaim my time. Thank Actually, you. The, I, uh, the patrons reclaim their time. That's right. I, I'm going to take the floor and represent the patrons over at patrons <laughs> patrons patron dot com slash unfiltered. And it's time for Chase's sack. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. So first off, Veratuna writes in and says, Well, not sure how much you're going to cover this week, but certainly the latest dump from WikiLeaks is a massive one. Ah, uh, that'll be in the overtime. Well, it being called Dumbo, it would be after all. Oh, geez, is he going to spoil my overtime stuff? Well, you yeah, very yeah. almost. <sighs> see, we've almost, almost always, by having it here, we've been avoiding spoilers, but yeah, I, I, I didn't think about overtime. CIA messing about with webcams and such. Really, it's just an education reading about these projects. Yeah, High Rise, Both and Spy, Al. Yeah. Law Country, I, Pandemic, I and of course, Brutal Kangaroo. Yes, yes. These things are getting tense in the South China Sea, and Blackwater, a.k.a. Academy, a.k.a. Soldiers for Hire, are trying to strike a deal with the U.S. government to be the private army in Afghanistan while the U.S. Army withdraws. Private contractors running the show in one of the world's largest opium-producing countries? No way that's going to end badly, right? Thanks for tuning in. Robert writes in and says, hey, it wasn't until you guys were out a few weeks ago that I realized how much I look forward to this show. Oh, thank you. Nothing better than cracking open a bottle of Rock Creek pineapple-flavored soda to go with some of the legal-to-own but not legal-to-buy because what you do, what you expect, it's D.C. cannabis, and watching you guys pants the news. I will point out that despite the establishment media suggesting that the existence of a deep state as some Trump right-wing delusion, the nation had a cover story interview with Snowden in fall of 2014, and he said, quote, there's definitely a deep state. Trust me, I've been there. There is also a really great multi-piece PBS documentary. I believe it's PBS where they figure out like 
some of the buildings and stuff like that. It's oh, fascinating. Yeah. The Nation is far from an establishment publication, but when the non-establishment left and right have the same points, there's probably something there. Hmm. Thanks, Robert. Remember, if you are in Club 33, I send out a message every single week around the morning time of the Wednesday that we record this show over at patreon.com slash unfilter. So if you're Club 33, make sure you get on that waiting list because right now we are filled up once again. Ooh, that's awesome. Patreon.com slash unfilter. We can also get clips. Just keep us going. Keep us independent. We only picked up two supporters. We're in like this summer slowdown right now, and uh, we could really use the support. We would really appreciate it because I I was kind of gearing up for our next milestone, and uh, it's slipping, Chase. It's slipping. Well, you know, patreon.com slash The summer unfilter. is, all, you know, everybody's out. They, they forget about the cards. Know. They, they You know, it's okay. It's the other right. thing is, is when there's not... When there's not like huge, massive, massive news that's changing the world happening that week, uh, people are less inclined to donate. Right. People donate or, or, or become patrons when uh, there's tragedy. It's kind of this weird thing that happens. And when there's tragedy, then they, then they, then they all get on board. Right. Uh, so it's like I would love to see more support when there's not crazy things happening to keep us going because we keep researching stuff and keep following stories even when there's not some really dramatic thing happening. And so patreon.com slash unfiltered. Yes. I'd really appreciate it. Now, uh, there's a bit of admin we need to do before we go. Uh, right now, we are not lined up. We're, we don't have a recording availability on Wednesday next week. Now, I actually was wondering, you know, we've had a couple of weeks in a row with low patron turnout. And I've almost wondered if when, when, we, when we have, like, weeks of low patron new signups, if we shouldn't maybe just, like, take a summer break and take a week off. Now I'm not. It, it's it's just because to me what it implies is um, there are less people watching, and so uh, we we could always use time to recoup because right. it is this show is a marathon to produce every week, uh, or, but that, or or we record at a different time, and maybe just depending on when we record it, there's different things we record. Or you know what? You know what? Or I have a I have a third oh, uh, oh, idea. Oh, or we release something exclusive for the patrons. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, honestly, yeah. you know, they're they're the ones, you know, I we know there's a lot of you guys that enjoy our show. Yeah. And I'm not here to crap on you. And by the way, I'm a little triggered. If you listen to the pre-show, that's you know true. why. Yeah, that's true. But you, that, you, have, you are hashtag triggered. I'm hashtag triggered right now. But that being said, you know, 549 of you, I love you guys yeah. because you guys are the ones that keep us going. And I know there's a lot of you who download and listen to our show that, you know, you're like, you know, I, I like listening, but I don't want to throw in a dollar a month. I don't want to throw in $2 a month. I mean, it costs Reclaiming you. Reclaiming my time. Ah, no, I, I, re- I failed to re- re- yield the floor. No, I failed no. to yield. No, I go ahead. I, but no, but it's one of those things, and I know you may not say this because you know you're you know you run Jupiter and you know this this is your baby. You know we we've grown this to, to a, to a point. But for me, you know, the patrons are the ones that matter because you're the, we don't have sponsorship. It, it's all on the patrons, and it's on you guys. So if you like what we do, support us, okay? Because I honestly wouldn't mind if we took this show and we just released it to them only. Because yeah. they're the ones that care about us. I know. But, you know, the motivation of the show is to try to reach as much. I know. But yeah. at a point, at a point, you know, you got to get some people moving and say, Fired hey, up. let's let's support us. So, Patreon, so we're still figuring out what's yes. going on next week. But yes, some, we'll figure it we'll, out. We'll try to make sure the patrons get something. Patreon.com slash on filter. Right. Don't know what that is. I was yeah. I was thinking we could also do like a an episode where we do like a uh, like a one off on what the hell's going on in Yemen or something. Like we could do something. I don't know if people be into that stuff though. Yeah. 
So, uh, but you know, and and of rant, you know, I, I mean, I understand that there are people that can't support the show. I'm t- I'm talking about the ones that have been listening to us for years and decide not to support us. I think, years. I think also I want to encourage the audience to check out the uh, Discord Unfiltered channel. We may, like Rikai is talking about in the chat room right now, do uh, future voice participation with the audience like if we have to record like say we wanted to record an extra episode we could save a few special things and then like do a discord voice channel and have like a, an audience episode right and we'll probably also work with our patrons in there in the future too yeah so you can find that at discord.me slash jupiter colony um and uh and you know join in the unfiltered chat in there all right mr chase are you ready for the high notes sir i'm ready to relax yes let's let's reset hopefully we'll we'll calm you down from that rough commute you had and i'm triggered there's one of my favorite things to talk about with people uh, that are not totally familiar with some of the medicinal benefits of cannabis is the medicinal medicinal benefits of CBD oil. Yes, and especially uh, for kids. This is where our first story takes yeah. us. She knows how to do it. She didn't need your help. Jump. In many ways, Cadence Mullinax is like any other seven-year-old girl who loves t-ball and cell phone video games. But there is a part of her life her parents wish they could change for her sake. I don't know that she's ever had a time where she's been completely seizure-free. She has a genetic disorder called tuberous sclerosis, or TS, which causes seizures nearly every single day. These kids' stories are so great because they... uh, there's like this chemical that got turned on in my brain or something that literally it's like a one to a zero or a zero to a one on to off before parent, post parent. Now, every time I'm parent, when I see these stories, I'm like, oh, what if that was my kid? What would I do for my kid? Would I give my kid pot? Like, it's like this, it's this weird psychological thing that happens once you become a parent. And so all these stories, like, you're like, oh, man, I, I could only I, imagine I, if my I kid will, was having I, seizures. I, I will say this. Most, I wouldn't say every, because I know no one always, always, and never, nevers. But <laughs> That's deep, dude. It's very deep. However, if you have children and your kid was dying... And, or even suffering. Right, or suffering. And let's say the only thing like that could f- help them is like crack cocaine. Wow. Boy, it, the benefits would have to be a lot better no, than but the let, downsides. But, let, but let's say it's either your kid dies and you can give him crack cocaine and he'll get better or your kid dies. Well, I of bet course you, I'd give him crack cocaine. Co- of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Which causes seizures nearly every single day. We did 28 days of counting them and she had 90. 89, 90. But her family's latest hope isn't pinned on pills or powders. It's cannabis oil. We're trying to figure out how well does it work for the treatment of seizures. The family is now driving regularly from Lubbock to Cook Children's in Fort Worth to take part in a cannabis oil trial for TS patients. Dr. M. Scott Perry is the trial's lead investigator. Because this is part of an FDA study, so this is a little this is a little different from the hemp oils you would um, get from the internet. This is a the internet. this is a, a true pharmacy. And actually, I know that we the lead got a little buried. It's an FDA study. Mm-hmm. This this is mm-hmm. an actual mm-hmm. true scientific test yeah. sponsored by the government. This is a yeah. good thing. CBD oil uh, can have almost no THC in it. So. Sponsored by pharmaceuticals. Now, uh, there's a piece that's going to talk about what happens after people take CBD oil. Guess what? 42% of them, 42% of them make a huge change. I'm wow. going to talk about But before we get there, this clip has a little, uh, a little bit at the beginning of it about uh, over-the-counter, like, um, 
nutritional pills and stuff. Because one of the stories that we, people talk about is like children getting their hands on edibles and children end up in the hospital because of pot or dogs, right? right? Yeah. Guess what? Guess what? Kids actually end up in the hospital a lot for. And besides pharmaceuticals, mm. is like just uh, vitamin overdoses and stuff. Wow. Which I don't know if it's vitamins, but it's natural supplements and whatnot. Many people use dietary supplements to stay healthier, but a new yeah, study the shows they're responsible for a spike in calls to poison control centers. The study in the Journal of Medical Toxicology wow. showed the rate of dietary supplement-related calls to poison control centers went up almost 50% between 2005 and 2012. Researchers say 70% of those calls pertain to children younger than age 6. That's, you know, I mean, you can talk about edibles, but geez, guys. Wow. The good news is only four and a half percent of all calls resulted in serious medical outcomes. Wow, there's even serious outcomes to begin with. All right, so that was just a bit like you know, when you, when we talk about children getting their access uh, access to pot when it becomes recreational, that's a way to frame that conversation a little bit differently. But now here's an interesting stat about people that try out CBD oils. Some surprising numbers today from a survey of users of the non-psychoactive can- cannabis compound cannabidiol or CBD. The Brightfield Group and Hello MD survey shows 42% of CBD users stopped using over-the-counter and prescription pain relievers altogether. Holy shit. Wow. You know, I can I can see why the uh, the medical companies, the pharmaceutical companies, and the alcohol uh, companies yeah. are trying to stop this. Wow. And, you know... Wow. Can you imagine? You know what that means for 42% of people? That means they found something that works better for them. Right. Like, that's awesome for them. That is really wow. good news. And CBD oil doesn't get you screwed up. From a survey of users of the non-psychoactive can- cannabis compound, cannabidiol, or CBD, the Brightfield Group and Hello MD survey shows 42% of CBD users stopped using over-the-counter and prescription pain relievers altogether. It also found that 55% of users were women. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that is interesting. Uh, like like those cannabis moms? You can, yeah, like, <laughs> like, like the cannabis Mo- moms. Mommy just need a joint. That's all she needs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, uh, in the medical, the medical, the medical side of uh, cannabis is something that I've I've found interest in for a long time, especially watching the transition here in Washington from medical to recreational. As marijuana is becoming legal in many places across the country, more may feel that giving it a try, even for non-medical reasons, isn't a problem. But this week, a new study that's triggering the smoke alarm. Are you ready? You ready for a little uh, bad I'm, news? I'm triggered. Yeah, I'm got, already triggered. So it's triggering the smoke alarm. They love that crap, don't they? Yeah. They just can't help themselves. <laughs> uh, so we always talk about the benefits. So let's talk about something that might be worth looking into that could be a potential downside. Just because we like to do full disclosure, fair here, and so. balanced. We, yeah. The new research published in the European Journal of Cardiology, following hundreds of subjects over six years. Those who said they used pot had three times the risk of death from causes related to high blood pressure. Wow. We already know that THC, the active ingredient in marijuana, can cause an increased heart rate and other side effects. Now, what I would like, and this is where you're going to have to probably wait to legalization, is... Could they pin it down to specific strains? Like, do sativas tend to increase your heart rate and indicas tend to lower your heart rate? Right. I'd love to know wow. that. But that seems like, you know, something that if you have a, if you have a history of high blood pressure in your family, uh, you should look into that. Maybe take aspirin. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but that's something for, for you to do a little research on, I think. Um, now, there's also just another bit of local news. It applies to other states as well, but Washington's a recreational pot state. That was Kristen Welker reporting. The U.S. Attorney General, meanwhile, is warning of a crackdown on marijuana-producing states. But our state attorney general says, not so fast. 
Jeff Sessions sent a letter to our state's top officials last month pointing out that Washington's rules on marijuana don't prevent a federal crackdown. He also questioned how effectively our state is controlling the industry. Attorney General Bob Ferguson says he... I love how Bob, Bob Ferguson was able to basically say that was some incompetent bullshit without actually using the word incompetent. But he gets close. <laughs> was disappointed and that the letter relies on incomplete, inaccurate and out-of-date information. Ferguson also says he's repeatedly invited Sessions to meet in person to discuss the issue, but he has not yet accepted. I'm a little worried about where this is going, though. I'm a little worried about it. And it's several states that have received nah, this I, I, You know what? I wouldn't be worried because... Sessions you, has got his hands full. <laughs> well, he, he literally does. But not only that, you have these states now that have gotten the sweet, sweet taste of all those Benjamins. Yeah, that money. And, and you know what? There is no way in hell now. I mean, you've never seen a state government give up a tax they don't yeah, like. Yeah. They're not, they're, they're not going to give this up. But you do have major interests. That, that oh, there are totally. battles. So, you have yes. not, so, of course, you have... So, as far as I see it, these are major hurdles still for cannabis. Yeah. Legalization. Of course, the federal legal status of it, yep. the scheduling of it, yep. has to change. Yep. Uh, that'll change the banks. The casinos in, in Nevada are really against this. I have oh, a clip yeah. about that in the overtime. Um, then then the pharmaceuticals, the alcohol company, they're also huge lobby companies that are yeah. against this. So there is a there are still major battles for cannabis to fight. But uh, one of the battles that's been won, I think, is the mind of the people. Uh-huh. And uh, Chase's good friend... My buddy. ...would seem to agree. Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, Tom Angel says this, uh, Neil, do you agree with Carl Sagan? This, by the way, was uh, this week on uh, Star Talk. And most yes. U.S. voters. That yes, next. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Carl Sagan, yes. Anything Carl Sagan, hey, yes. Tom, there's, there's your answer, Tom. There's your answer. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to There's very on. little I disagree with. And guess what? I'm going to go ahead and say that, but uh, quite frankly. No, now we got to know. I want to know. Yeah, no. you want to know? Yeah, yeah. He was giving him an out. He was letting him out of it, but yeah, he had to push right. it. Yeah. Uh, that marijuana should be legalized. <laughs> oh, <it's-> <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Of course, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Um, so I think if you really analyze it relative to other things that are legal, there's no reason for it to ever have been made illegal in the in the system. Episode one. Laws. That is extremely rational, which I expect from you, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. You should, I mean, alcohol is legal, and it can mess you up way more than smoking a few wow. J's. Uh, take a trip down memory lane. Go back and watch episode number one of Unfilter, and you will see how far we've come. But not only we covered this exact topic. Yeah. Uh, it is good to, to hear Neil deGrasse just say it, though. Yeah, just absolutely. Say it. And, um, and also not try to shut up the part about Carl Sagan, because sometimes people in the past are like, oh, don't say that, don't say that. Yeah. When it's true. It's very true. He's a big supporter. Yep. All right, Mr. Chase, before we get out of here, yes. uh, listen, there's a little bit of details you got to know. We still have way more show coming up. The overtimes are just around the corner, but a lot of you like to check out right now. Like, it's over for you. We get it. You got it's your done. veggies. Yeah. You don't need to, like, stuff some cake and some pie and some ice cream with a milk. Oh, I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Anyways, yes. uh, before we get out of here, Chase, let people know where they can find you. Well, hey, if you need some gaming, relaxation, and release, come check out what I'm doing over do. at ggtvlive.com. <laughs> That's yeah. my Twitch stream. And yeah. also, we you know we have a little thing called the Discord, too. Mm. ggtvdiscord.com on Twitter, you? at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Chris, Very nice. you're showing the blog stuff. You just recently posted Linux Fast Northwest yeah. and the last last and the yeah. road to last. Yeah. Where can people find that? 
Go to youtube.com slash Chris Fisher. That's nice. my name. You can follow me on the Twitters as well, at Chris L-A-S. We'd love to have you join us live on Wednesdays, except we won't be live next week. So check the calendar for when we will have that, if we will have that, all of that. We're going to figure it out. We're going to we'll talk about it. We'll keep you updated on the Twitters. Yeah, we'll let you know. And yeah. you can always check the calendar if we do have a live time. So you can get that at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Also, join us on Telegram, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash telegram. That's where you can join the big community group over there. That's always a great place to interact as well as that Discord community and the unfiltered IRC chat room at irc.geekshed.net. Wow, how about all of that? Yeah. So there, we gave you all the 411 in, all case get, one. in case you get out of here. Yes. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you right back here in a one, in a two, maybe maybe two weeks? Yeah. Two, yeah. two weeks! Soon! Yes! <laughs> sourced leaks. Overtime is just starting, which means unfilters just getting started. My friends, thank you to our new patrons over at patreon.com slash unfilter. I'm sorry. I just love it too much. Just stay woke. We've got only two new subscribers this week. It's the Summer Slam? No. Slog? Yes. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Thank you to Dead Ken and Matthew B. Our only new supporters this week. If you think this show's worth your time, even if there isn't some story that pushes you to our Patreon page. Thank you for considering to support us at patreon.com slash unfilter. Now, this segment is dedicated to those supporters and maybe future supporters too. So let's get into some stuff here on the overtime. I, I, I have a whole range of things to talk about. There's not a lot of crazy Nancy stuff in the news this week, but we do have some stuff for the Oh Nancy segment. Instead of me sitting here and doing some diatribe about the health of the establishment Democratic Party, I thought maybe instead I'd go to Jeff Zinli. Now, he is a commentator, and he's, uh, of course, talking about 2020, the election in 2020, because what else would they be talking about on CNN? And uh, he has some interesting points that... uh, He's going to make so I don't have to. We're to see who is the most popular uh, campaigning this fall. But Senator Senator uh, Kamala Harris is fascinating to me mm-hmm. because she arrives in Washington at the exact same time Barack Obama mm-hmm. arrived in Washington. I don't know why Dana Bash is smiling and then they they hover on her. She's just got a face like, yeah, that's who I'm thinking about too. So apparently there's some senator that both of them are really excited about. At the exact same time Barack Obama mm-hmm. arrived in Washington at uh, 2005 for him, uh, 2017 for her in terms of the first year of a new Republican administration. So I think that uh, 
Look, uh, she, the party generally looks to someone new, not someone old. Um, the future, not the past. We'll see if that's true this time. But it's a huge problem for Democrats. There is no bench for the party. So they can be laughing all they want about these uh, poll numbers for, for Donald Trump. But the reality is Democrats are in complete disrepair and disarray in their own party. Okay. There's no leader. There's no leader. You hear that, Nancy? There's no leader. And when pressed about this, sometimes Democrats are very honest. In fact, recently, I think it was just last week, we talked about Chuck Schumer coming out and saying it wasn't because of the Russians that Hillary lost the election. we got to be honest about that with ourselves. And others have also started to become a little more honest about that. But not everybody. I present Chicago's mayor. Regardless of party, right? You want kids to succeed. Like, quickly, before I go here, let me get you, though, on the leadership. Because you had, you know, mm-hmm. felt your fellow Democrat... Rep- oh, crap, he's thinking... Oh, mm-hmm, crap. Representative Seth Moulton of Massachusetts come out. He was asked on CBS, do you want this... The media loves this. The media loves when another Democrat comes out and says X, Y, Z. Because then they can just pick it up, or a Republican, they can just pick it up and run with it, and it's not them saying it. Democratic leadership. Do you want Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer on, on the bumper stickers going into 2018? And he said, no way. And then he said... Start winning with leadership that the American people can trust, not the old, tired, Democratic partisan leadership. A new generation of leaders who are going to put the country first. Ouch. Tough words, but is he right? Yeah. (laughs) So, of course, he doesn't just answer the question. Look, now you're asking me as a former DCCC chair, not the former chief of staff. So let me be really clear. So he uh, is anything but really clear. In fact, he burns an additional... Minute for, uh, hold on, wow, look at this, I'm pretty impressed. Minute, yeah, minute, yeah, almost two minutes, wow, oh, geez, nope, now we are definitely into two minutes. He's now burned two minutes not answering the question. That's where the majority is for us, and we have to be focused like a laser on where that majority is winnable. Look, you're the one who led the effort for Dems to retake Congress in 2006. You know what this is like, they're wrapping me in the control room, yes or no answer. I like that when I like it when they say that. I like it when they say that because it reminds the audience at home that they're just news actors and they're just saying what they're told to by the control room. I'm to retake Congress in 2006. You know what this is like. They're wrapping me in the control room. Yes or no answer. Is this leadership, Pelosi, Schumer, the leadership to do that? I, 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 Poppy, I really like you. I really like I you, he says. that's a good question. I don't so think therefore, I really like you, but I don't think that's a good question. I really like you, but I don't think that's a good question. I don't think that's a good question. So Man, you did that I, to Dana Bash, too. You did that to Dana Bash. I'm going to do it to you, too. I know you don't like the question, but yes or no. Well, look, yes, it's fine. It's a fine leadership. But what I want is a candidate that's going to be the leader of their district. So it's kind of yes. <laughs> I don't really know. He, he, he tried to punt the question, but they're asking the question more and more. Um, and maybe maybe Nancy's getting spooked. She hasn't been around a lot. Or maybe it was this awkward exchange she had with some random person on the street. So this is cell phone footage, and what you see in front of you is Nancy Pelosi and a security guard. Nancy! Nancy comes up, he puts his hand out to shake her hand. She, she leans in, says hi. He hesitates for just a moment. And then listen carefully to what he says right to her face, eye to eye. I mean, imagine making eye contact with Nancy Pelosi and saying this to her. Uh, prison time's coming soon. <laughs> oh, man. He pulls her in using the Donald Trump-style handshake. He pulls her in and says to her, prison time is coming soon. 
Uh, prison time's coming soon. Be ready. <laughs> oh, and she says, hmm. And then she looks at him and she just kind of walks off. Donald Trump. Not much time left. Not much time left. Isn't that awkward? One more time, just for funsies. Here we go. Think about this. Picture yourself. Is this? You've got a cell phone up. She's out shaking hands. I mean, I don't like her. I, you, you know, I don't like her. I don't know if I'd have the 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 veracity. I don't know if I would have the chutzpah to come up to her and, and pull her in close, Donald Trump style, and say, "Prison time is coming soon." Holy crap! Hi. Uh, prison time's coming soon. Be ready. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now, Maxine Waters has been been in the thick of it for nearly 40 years. She has seen some things in her time. But nobody, nobody has disgusted her as much as Donald Trump. Morning. All this right, joining us now on this, news this felony morning. Friday, it's a hashtag, you hashtag know. Hashtag <laughs> uh, Ranking member of the House. Now, pay close attention. Uh, so this is Maxine Waters here. She is on the Morning Joes, and uh, I think something's wrong with her. I don't, it could just be a common cold. I'm not, I'm not saying it's Parkinson's or anything. I'm not going Parkinson's on Maxine Waters, but... I am saying there's something wrong with her health. So I've noticed on a couple of MSNBC shows, like I think I might have even played a Morning Joy clip last week, where she said she was under the weather and she was sick and her voice was all wrecked. She's been now on several appearances, a radio appearance that had a live video stream, The View and um, The Morning Joe. Several different days, she's been wearing the same exact outfit and she's looked really unhealthy. She sounds unhealthy and she sounds low energy, too. Financial Services Committee, Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California. She's soft-spoken. She doesn't really like to... Doesn't speak her mind. Reluctant to... See, they're actually joking. She's soft-spoken as if it's a joke because she's normally so, so... Boisterous. It's a joke to say that she's soft-spoken. Doesn't really like doesn't, to... Doesn't speak her mind. Reluctant to get out there on a cliff. We're going to reclaim your time. Oh, look, at they're just loving it. They're just... All of it. They just love her. And uh, put it right here on Morning Joe. You were the first to talk about impeachment. Yes. I think that in terms of the press and analysis, you got to be careful. But are we at a point where we should, given the grand jury news that we have received over the past 24 hours? Uh, I've long thought uh, that there was a lot of smoke, even fire, and that uh, everything that I have learned about this president, uh, starting with uh, the campaign itself, that people should have understood that there was something terribly wrong with him. Uh, As a matter of fact, I've said over and over again, I think he's the most deplorable person I've ever met in my life. The most deplorable person she's ever met in her life. I did. Did you not get the memo that you're not supposed to use the deplorable word? You know that that's persona non grata now. Uh, so yeah, she was on uh, the View, and she did a great job. She had a couple of jokes written for her. She did fantastic delivering that. She denied co- sort of coyly rumors about running for president, uh, but she got serious about impeaching Donald Trump. And then, then the next thing. That comes naturally after you impeach Donald Trump. You got to do something about Pence. Except for Maxine Waters accidentally confuses Pence with Vladimir Putin. It's amazing. Vice President Pence is 
already planning his inauguration. Is that a joke or do you really? It was a joke. Okay. (laughs) Uh, What I wanted to do was needle them a little bit. Okay. Do you think Pence will be better than Trump if he were? uh, No. And when we finish with Trump, we have to go and get Putin. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? They just said his name twice. They just said his name twice. How can how? Does, does, this re- does this representative have no ability to pay attention? Okay. Yeah, Do you think Pence will be better than Trump if he were uh, No, impeached? and when we finish with Trump, we have to go and get Putin. That's right. Uh, he's next. Putin or Pence? Uh, Pence. You mean Pence? Pence. Wait, we'll, get Putin. we'll get two for one, that's Trump right. and that's Putin. Right. Then we've got to go after Pence. That's right. Oh, that's nice of you, Joy. You covered really good there. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's what I meant all along. Yeah, exactly what you just said. That shit you just made up off the top of your head, that's exactly what I meant. That's right. Uh, he's next. Putin or Pence? Uh, Pence. You mean Pence? We'll get two for one with Trump. You see that face she's making right there, eyes closed. Also, this one with the hand up, exasperation. That face right there is the, oh shit, I'm slipping face. That's just my person. I've seen it in my family members. To me, is that's the, I still got my shit, but it's starting to slip face. Putin or Pence? Right there. That's it. It's a slight micro expression. You can see it. You can see it, especially around. Watch her lips. Putin or Pence? She she knows she just screwed up. That's really something to watch. It's really something to watch. This. Oh, and when we finish with Trump, we have to go and get Putin. That's right. Uh, he's next. Putin or Pence? Uh, Pence. You mean Pence? <laughs> Pence. Wait, we'll get Putin. Pence. We'll get two for one with right. Trump and That's Putin. Right. Then we got to right. go after Pence. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So you've got Nancy Pelosi calling Donald Trump Bush. And you've got Maxine Waters calling Mike Pence Putin. It's it's really it's really disturbing. And and then on top of that, there appears to be no concern for national security for Maxine Waters. As long as the dirt's getting out there, as long as the story's staying in the headlines, as long as she can impeach forty five, she's good. I think also people are just really tired of government in general and the inefficiency of government. But I want to talk to you about these leaks that have been coming out. It seems a steady stream of leaks have been coming out of the White House and intelligence agencies. Now, remember, leaks against Hillary Clinton, leaks with WikiLeaks, that's Russian propaganda designed to derail our democracy. That, those leaks, Maxine Waters hates. Leaks about Trump, though? 100%. Attorney General Jeff Sessions was just, uh, he just delivered a briefing today about cracking down on this. But we we have to be bothered by these phone conversations, these confidential conversations that he had with Mexico and Australia that were just illegally leaked to the Washington Post. There's a lot of Democrats that are disturbed by this because it threatens our national security. Are you disturbed by it? No, not at all. (laughs) I am so glad they're telling us what's going on. (laughs) Now that, you know, that is an understandable position. I kind of feel that way. I'm so glad these leaks happened at some days because uh, it gives insights that we would never have as a people. That's sort of the same reason I was thankful at the core for the Snowden leaks. An informed democracy is better than a public in the dark that can't make decisions about their elected leaders. I mean, it's just that's obvious. That's just obvious. But there is a line. Like, I, I, I feel like there's a line. that Snowden and Glenn Greenwald were very careful in what they released. They, they spent, I'd, I'd say, the majority of their effort trying to figure out what was safe to release and what wasn't. And there's some things that we'll just never see the light of day that may be very interesting. The actual words of a president's phone call 
the actual transcripts of a phone call or conversations that he's been having. I mean, you've seen or you've seen the level of these leaks. That feels like that's that's obviously too far. Even even for somebody like myself who loves to get all of these bits of information and details, and it's all going to construct a larger narrative that I find very useful as a tool to construct that narrative. I also recognize there is a point in which it's just too far. Phone call conversations is ridiculous. I am so glad they're telling us what's going on. And but we don't need to hear these conversations. They're confidential. This I threatens national security. I need to hear security. these conversations. I need to hear. But that's why you can get into, say, like intelligence committees and you can get special classification and then you are allowed to see these things. There is a, mechani- um, there is a mechanism in place. There is a way. There is an avenue. In fact, it's extremely disturbing to me that if I really, really hope that your only mechanism is not the press, because they're not getting the story right. Confidential. This threatens national security. Conversations. I need to hear. (laughs) Unfortunately, this is his. Oh, and then she blames Trump for it. Unfortunately, this is his fault, Trump. He is in a White House where he's got people working for him that don't believe in him, don't like what he's doing, and they're trying to tell the American public They're whistleblowers. Yes. America loses here, though. He cannot have a candid conversation with the leader of another country. Mexico's not going to want to have a conversation with us anymore because it could get leaked. Australia, countries are not going to want to get on the phone with the leader of the free world. Let me tell you something. Mexico is glad to have it leaked. And I tell you why he tried to convince the president uh, that somehow he should not be talking about the fact that they're not going to fund this wall. And he's trying to convince him to go along with him to do harm to his country. And isn't it good yes. that his supporters hear that? They've Absolutely. been believing in all the lies about building the wall. Now Absolutely. they know he's lying. Now, that's, that's an interesting point, but it actually sounds more like justification for the leaks than it is, uh, you know, it, it's all good, you know, because two wrongs make a right is essentially the argument there. Um that's not, uh, I guess as they like to say in the news biz, that's a slippery slope, Joy. <laughs> Back to you. So let's move on. Uh, let's talk about uh, some other leaks, leaks that I find to be the right kind of leaks. So I want to maybe talk about this a little bit. An example of leaks I find to be not very helpful is the conversations between leaders, unless obviously there was something in there that was extremely important for the public to know. So I guess I have to couch that a little bit. But I'll give you right here, this clip is an example of leaks. I'm all on, I'm all on board with it. Some people would say it damages national security. I say it's good for us to know what the shadow agencies are actually up to and capable of. A new hacking tool used by the CIA has been revealed again by WikiLeaks. The whistleblowing organization released new documents within that Vault 7 batch, which contain details on information from the CIA's hacking programs. RT's Trinity Chavez is in New York with the latest findings. WikiLeaks revealed everything from the field guide to the user's manual of the CIA's hacking system. We're talking thousands of files documenting the innermost hacking secrets of the CIA that have now been exposed. Since at least 2012, the CIA has used a tool called Dumbo. It's a system that can manipulate devices such as webcams and microphones on Microsoft operating systems, as well as corrupt recordings and disable security cameras. The files are the latest release in a long line of leaks from the whistleblower organization. 
disable disable security cameras are uh so this is like some serious like what 100% mission impossible shit right here like they can hack in and they can turn off the security cameras like that's the crap we see in the movies the documents comes as a part of vault 7 a series of files documenting which tools and programs are being used by the agency to hack technology yeah i'm still tracking vault 7 releases According to WikiLeaks, the technology is intended for the use of the deployment of a special branch within the CIA Center of Cyber Intelligence that could be compromised. WikiLeaks adds its task is to gain and exploit physical access to target computers in CIA field operations. Dumbo is run directly from a USB stick and requires administrator privilege to carry out the task. But this isn't the first time WikiLeaks has released details of a secret CIA project. Previous leaks in the Vault 7 series have exposed alleged exploits for iOS smartphones, Android devices, smart TVs, routers, and Wi-Fi devices. This is where I think we're going to see a lot more in future leaks. I think almost always so far, these leaks contain documents that are years old. And um, maybe some stuff they're still using, but often it's stuff that's so old that it's for operating systems that aren't current anymore and things like that. Just interesting, but probably not revealing stuff that's aggressively used in the wild by the CIA anymore. I, I imagine if you go forward a few years, we will start to see stuff from present day, from 2017, say maybe in 2019 or 2020. And that's going to be extremely interesting because my Red Book prediction about this is that it'll be way more routers, way more network level stuff, and they're just getting the network. They're just capturing your DNS, they're capt- and they're redirecting it, they're redirecting traffic, they're, they're, they're taking over iOS and Android devices by controlling where the router sends your traffic, either through DNS tricks or whatever. And I think that's going to be the way they have to go as all of the millenniums that they're going to want to start tracking and uh, other nations that uh, don't, uh, don't have such a PC culture are going to just be mobile first. And uh, you're going to have to be able to get on that iPhone. You have to get on that Android device, whether it be a Samsung or a Pixel. And the best way to accomplish that is to own the router. So take your typical home Wi-Fi router. Maybe you have some government target. Uh, Michael Flynn. Let's just say it's Michael Flynn just because we all that's a name we've all been talking about. Let's say Michael Flynn has a pretty great Wi-Fi network. Well, with these tools, you could compromise a machine on his local network, go after the Wi-Fi router, redirect the DNS to a CIA-controlled DNS server, which could even be a legitimate DNS server out on the web, or could even be his ISP's DNS server they just serve a national security letter to. Who the hell knows? And so they get control of the router via DNS, and they start sending Facebook.com to a CIA server, a CIA server that starts looking at Michael Flynn's web server or web client information, looking at its version, looking at what version of Safari or what version of Chrome it is that he has on his mobile device. From that, they can roughly suss out which version of the mobile operating system he's using. At that point, they now look at their library and they say, okay, what zero-day exploits do we have? What zero-day exploits do we have for that version of a mobile operating system? And they they have a whole library to choose from. 
that they've paid millions of dollars for and some that they've probably developed themselves. And they just, just a, it's available to the agent. It's a selection system. It's a, it's a choose and match. Okay, you've got, you've got Android 7.01. All right, you've got iOS 10.1. Okay, great. You choose that. Then you choose your, your attack vector. Is it email? Is it messaging? Is it via embedded in an app that you get them to install? Or is it on a web page? Well, guess what? We've got control of his router. We've got control of his DNS. And we're redirecting all traffic to Facebook.com. So every time Michael Flynn goes to check up on an old girlfriend, he's actually going to a CIA-controlled system. And then they embed the malware that exploits that version of Safari, which executes a zero-day on that iPhone. And now they've just owned the iPhone. They've never stepped foot in his house. It doesn't matter that he's, using, he's not using Windows at all. He doesn't have to be using Windows anymore to get hacked. That's what Vault 7 is revealing. And it's Mission Impossible movie shit. It's really something. Then again, with President Trump, you don't, hack, you don't have to hack his phone. You could just follow his Twitter President feed. Trump this morning chose to retweet a Fox News story on U.S. satellites that according to these sources, say, detected North Korean anti-ship cruise missiles. Now, notably, we don't have that reporting. It's also notable that this report contained classified information to unnamed sources. Of course, the president has railed against unnamed sources. Just hours later, U.N. Ambassador Nick... Now, let's stop right there. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? Trump just retweeted a story that has leaks? Ah, yeah, here's my problem. Have you noticed, you must have noticed this, Donald Trump is playing the media just like the media is playing Donald Trump. So last week we talked about how Spicy Sean worked with uh, Rod Wheeler and, um, <clears throat> oh, what's the donor guy's name? Shoot, I'm drawing a blank on Braxton. Um, and they all worked together to supposedly massage a story, maybe with or without Donald Trump's direct input, to massage a story about Seth Rich and presented up the chain to Fox News. The Trump administration, at some level, even if it was just spicy, was directly involved in creating a fake news story. Maybe. Now they're doing it again. If he's retweeting a story that has anonymous sources in it, those are probably his anonymous sources. They're sources that he knew were going to be leaking a story. You see, the problem here is... Is it there's things that he wants to say about the way he's handling the North Korea situation, but because it's classified, he can't come out and say it. So instead, he has someone leak it for him. And then when they leak it, he retweets it to his rather well-known and rather popular Twitter feed. It seems it seems obvious almost. And it's it's that that that's fake news on U.S. satellites that according to these sources, say, detected North Korean anti-ship cruise missiles. Now, notably, we don't have that reporting. It's also notable that this report contained classified information. Either way, though, um, you just reported on it. You see what you, you say? We don't have but you just reported on it. You see, and by him retweeting it, whether maybe he's maybe he had nothing to do with the leaks or and it was just a convenient story for the administration or maybe he directed the leaks. Either way, he's now set the conversation, and you're getting the message out for him. So he's successful in what either he was, even if he wasn't directly involved, it's still you're still helping him. And it's so funny the way the media just is so clueless. Why they think they're slamming him for retweeting classified information? Um, <laughs> they're actually spreading the very message. And the reason why I don't think that's going to resonate and stick 
is uh, so often in testimony, so often in testimony, especially when it's Clapper or um, or Rogers, when they're when they're in there talking in testimony, they'll often cite things in reporting. Well, we've seen widely reported. Well, we can say that we've seen this widely reported as if because we're not saying that that's true, but it's been reported, and that's them and that's them saying, yeah, it's true. That. that so I don't think I don't know if there's any law violated there because it seems like uh, they do that all the time. Seems like seems like they do that all the time. And maybe maybe they could focus on something else for a little while. You know, like something else that's stupid and distracting. From his summer stay at his New Jersey golf resort, President Trump's first take on a significant foreign policy accomplishment: the North Korea sanctions came without bravado. Two tweets noting in part. China and Russia voted with us. Very big financial impact. Today, the adrenaline out of the Trump administration came from Vice President Mike Pence. After a New York Times report described a shadow campaign for 2020. That was a funny story. And maybe the story should have been a contingency plan for 2020. Where prominent Republicans, including Pence, court donors and make political stops in case President Trump is not on the ballot. But in a lengthy rebuke, the vice president called the assertions disgraceful and offensive to me, laughable and absurd, <laughs> wow. and pledged his efforts to see Trump reelected in 2020. It's the greatest privilege of my life to serve as vice president to a president who always puts America first. Counselor Kellyanne Conway defended Pence's loyalty. It is absolutely true that the vice president is getting ready for 2020 for reelection as vice president. So no- <laughs> okay, you know. I don't think anybody gives a shit. In fact, I couldn't give two shits about 2020. I wish there was some sort of rule where we couldn't even talk about 2020 until 2020. I think there's other things on the domestic mind of Americans. Here's a staggering stat. One trillion dollars. One trillion dollars. Well, no, that's not the debt of the United States, is it? Because obviously it's more than that. It's not yet the value of Apple. Could be the value of that new Saudi Arabia energy company that's about to launch. But no, it's none of those things. One trillion dollars is all y'all's debt. Your credit card debt, collectively. Americans now have the highest revolving debt in U.S. history. According to the Federal Reserve, Americans collectively owe over $1 trillion in credit debt. Since the recession in 2008, banks are once again doling out credit to customers with poor track records. Milita Chan joins us tonight for more on the numbers. Lots of people burning the plastic, that's for sure. A lot of ugly numbers again, Ed. These numbers are kind of funny, though, given uh, all the recent good economic data and the stock markets hitting uh, record highs. So while credit card balances are increasing, the overall amount of debt that each American household is carrying over month to month is actually lower than it was during the crash of 2008. It's actually down about 27 percent back in 2008. Credit card debt was hovering around 10,000 Five hundred bucks today. That household credit card debt is just under eight thousand dollars. So that's good news. But what's driving the new national debt numbers up is that all those lenders are giving out more credit cards, but 
with lower credit limits than before. Oh. RT spoke to Lionel of Lionel Media about this very subject earlier today. So there you go. There you go. Some good news mixed in with some disappointing news. I think some people got really shocked in 2018. I'll tell you what shocked me. There's a story. This is maybe the story that shocked me the most this week. Okay. So I, you know, we've been following this whole Debbie Watson Schultz IT guy after he got arrested. Actually, we've been following him way before that, way before that. But we really started following the story on a weekly basis when he got arrested. One of the things that I brought up and many others did too is why the hell after he was barred uh, from uh, working uh, in D.C. did uh, Debbie not just fire his ass? And why did she pay for a house for him? And why did she help pay for some of his family members and allow him to wire money back to his wife? And what was going on with all of the machines that were stolen and the data that was leaked? And did she have some involvement? And is that why she was paying him? But you see, how dare I? How dare I? How dare I? How dare I? Debbie... Debbie is doing the good work. Debbie, Debbie was doing something that more of us need to step up and do. Debbie was protecting this Pakistani from religious prosecution. And you see, it, people were going after him for selling back their own hardware to, him, to the people that owned it at exuberant prices. They, they were going after him for doing that for religious reasons. They, they were going after him for leaking data for religious persecution reasons. The, the, the arrest for money fraud was for religious prosecution reasons. And you see, only Debbie, only Debbie would stand up and protect him and continue to pay his black, I mean, pay his payroll. Did you, did you hear that? Here you have a member of Congress who kept a guy on her payroll, paid him with taxpayer money. He's now been accused of a crime and her answer is, I'm a civil rights hero. <laughs> Unbelievable. Jen Kearns has been closely following this story, and she joins us now. So, Jen, the, the excuse from Washington Schultz is, you know, there was basically racial profiling going on. And I got to admit, I don't know a lot about this. Is there a national problem with Islamophobia aimed at Muslim IT consultants? Is, this, is there some kind of pogrom I wasn't aware of? No, Tucker, but, you know, this... this there is a problem with Democrats uh, and their continued hypocrisy on cases like this, pulling the race <laughs> card, uh, pointing their finger at the Republican Party. You know, maybe they're more inclined. Maybe. Maybe it's because she's a politician. Including the president, uh, accusing him of foreign intervention in our nation's activities when they themselves had a fox in their own in-house, a foreign-born IT agent who's been proven to have uh, breached the House Intelligence Committee mainframe, who breached the mainframe. House Foreign Affairs mainframe. mainframe. And this is a congresswoman who <laughs> I, I think it's awfully bold that she's, she's fighting back in this way. This is a woman who looked the other way uh, while these potential crimes were being committed. But this is also someone who uh, I think has some criminal negligence responsibility here that is quite unbecoming of a Congress member. If okay, you look wait, wait, okay, so stop right there. I just want to be, I mean, look, I, I am willing to believe anything about this story. I don't think I really understand it time. at this point. But where would her behavior turn criminal specifically? Well, you know, this is one of those stories, Tucker, where the more you learn, the more outrageous it becomes. So not only was she aware and notified of law enforcement of their breaches of IT security, um, she actually uh, prevented the U.S. Capitol Police from looking at a laptop that had been hidden away 
in a crevice in an old house building in Washington, D.C. That is obstruction of justice, if I've ever heard it. You look at, at other Wait, things. So, she, they, so the, the, the Capitol Police never got a hold of that laptop? They ended up doing so, but, but she put up an awfully hard fight in order for them to get their hands on that and, in fact, reprimanded uh, the U.S. Capitol Police and said that there might be some retribution for that. Look, you look at other things she did here. That's the least of what she's done. The least. Tucker, she circumvented the House payroll system when that U.S. House of Representatives said that her IT aid needed to be banned from uh, being a staff member. She actually helped him with the paperwork to have him become a consultant so that his public information would not show up on the staff payroll. Look, there have been members of Congress look. that have been censured for far less nefarious activities than this and far less activities that did not uh, damage our national security. Um, in the 1800s, you had people who were censured uh, under Article 1, Section 5 of the Constitution, a tool that's available to the uh, House of Representatives here, um, that have been censured for being disrespectful to the House Speaker. You've had other members throughout history, Tucker, who've been no, no, censured I'm, I'm, for... Okay, but so, so really, really quick, I want to get to this. So he's an IT consultant. He's working for her and other members of Congress. He has, in that role, access to everything? He, he mean, had access to dozens, they say now, dozens of computer mainframes of, of Democratic congressional members. He had access to the House Intelligence Committee server. He had access to the House Foreign Affairs Committee server. Hmm. And for those dozens of Congress members that he was serving as an IT aide to at the behest of Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, he had access potentially to their documents to take those offline and review those and store those in a cloud type of storage. And he also had the ability to potentially read every single incoming and outgoing email oh. in those uh, Democratic congressional members' offices. Wow. How about that? You know, how about that? How about that last one? You like that last one? That last part about the emails? That's interesting, huh? Speaking of emails... <laughs> I'm sick of I'm sick and tired of hearing about her damn emails. Actually, can I can I confess something? I I'm not sick and tired of hearing about her emails. I wouldn't mind hearing more about her emails actually. So we got a little uh we got a little email uh little email story, a little update for Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Um <laughs> Oh my god. It's clippity yeah. The clear. I just found this. Just <laughs> I gotta listen to No Agenda Show again. That that's that's a classic. That is a so Hillary Clinton's damn emails. One of my favorite Hillary moments that I like to play from time to time on the show is uh, when she's uh, she's laughing and, and and just celebrating the fact that Gaddafi has just been murdered. And the way that Hillary Clinton gets this wonderful information that she laughs about is uh, Uma reads her BlackBerry and then hands it to Hillary. That seems like that'd be pretty good. At, like. I mean, maybe it's not classified, because I think that might have come from uh, Sydney. But that's... If she can read that level of stuff and hand it over to Hillary, it seems like there's probably some lines being crossed there. The government oversight group Judicial Watch has released a new trove of previously unreleased Hillary Clinton emails from her tenure as Secretary of State. Now, when Judicial Watch releases something, we pay attention, because they're doing this through the actual legal means that uh, has been smeared as leaks, but through the campaign, there were emails that were being released by Judicial Watch via the Freedom of Information request 
to the State Department that were completely legal to release and were still smeared as Russian leaks. And I think it's, a, it's something that gets glossed over quite a bit. And they've gotten more emails from the State Department. They're still working this. The group says the emails show top Clinton aide Huma Abedin sending classified information over unsecured networks and also show Clinton Foundation donors getting special treatment from the U.S. State Department, which is, of course, wrong if not illegal. Tom Fitton, president of Judicial Watch, and he joins us now. Um, first of all, where these come from, these emails? It came from the State Department. Uh, Yuma Abedin had an email account on Hillary Clinton's illicit email server. Yes. So she was doing all sorts of government business on this separate email account. It was in a State Department email account. So she's getting emails from the Clinton Foundation. She's getting emails from State Department employees. And she's sending and receiving emails to Hillary Clinton. She was one of her closest aides. And did you file a Freedom of Information request for them? That's right. We had to sue for them. And we've yeah. been getting these records uh, on a regular basis. And they show uh, Aberdeen and Mrs. Clinton are regularly getting classified information on this system. And again, a lot of these are new Clinton emails we're discovering on Aberdeen's account. Now, remember, Mrs. Clinton said she turned them all over. And thus far, we found over 500 Hillary Clinton emails uh, that haven't previously been released, meaning maybe she wasn't telling the truth. You had she to said sue she turned to them get over. The, how much did you spend on the lawsuit, by the way? Oh, untold, untold dollars because we have attorney time spending, right, yeah. you know, tens, dozens of hours just trying to get these records out. So, is it legal for them to transmit classified information over an unsecured network? No, despite what the FBI director, the former FBI director, said, it's not legal, and they were mishandling classified information. And I tell you, if you are uh, operating a system that is regularly receiving and sending classified information in an unsecure way, you're subject to prosecution. And you would have been uh, if you weren't Hillary Clinton or her aide, you mom. Yeah, because the idea is that, you know, Hillary lost, Human Abedin's personal life fell apart, her husband's a flake, therefore they're basically pardoned for any crimes they may have committed. Is that a legal concept or is that just something the press invented? No, that's 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 protects Clintons. Uh, losing an election ought not to be a get-out-of-jail-free card. And, uh, you know, there are other emails showing that Clinton Foundation donors were going through the Clinton Foundation to try to get ambassadors uh, nominated. Uh, and, again, Mrs. Clinton promised this wouldn't happen. And the Clinton Foundation and the State Department is overwhelming the number of email messages showing that donors were being taken care of through the foundation by communicating with Yuma Abedin on the secret email. So, I mean, that is, of course, why they were giving to the foundation in the first place. One would think, and one would think that uh, federal prosecutors would be interested in this, and this is why emails like this ought to revive a Clinton criminal investigation, both on the handling of classified information, pay-to-play, and any other violations of well, law. Well, presumably, if you have possession of these emails, any interested prosecutor could have received them also. Yeah, I'm hoping someone is awake at the Justice Department and isn't going to be cowed by, as you point out, the establishment approach that let bygones be bygones. Uh, these are ongoing issues, and we're going to be getting thousands of more documents, I predict. We are still waiting for the emails found on the Wiener laptop that Yuma Abedin had. The State Department just got them, and they're going to start going through them soon. Hmm. Are we sure that there is no investigation currently underway into this? We're not sure. We know the investigation into the mishandling of classified information was closed. Yes. It ought to be reopened because Comey got the law wrong. And secondly, we know the investigation was corrupted. Interesting. Tom Fitton, thank you. Thank you for doing this. And thank you. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So I'll keep my eye out, ear out, see what I can find.
to do a little extra high note here in the overtime. It didn't really fit in the flow with the main show, but I thought following up on how pot's going in Vegas, it's probably worth doing on the show since it's a story we have been tracking for months now. This is, uh, I believe, a report from... (laughs) The legal use of marijuana is the latest temptation available to tens of millions of people who visit Las Vegas each year. Nevada last month became the eighth state to allow the sale of recreational pot to adults 21 and over. But even as Las Vegas restricts what people can do after they legally buy their pot. Mark Strassman is on the strip with what one say is discrepancies in the law. This is, of course, common in a lot of places. I believe this is an issue here in Seattle, too. Mark, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This is the Essence Cannabis Dispensary, which sells 50 different strains of legal marijuana. This brand is called Venom OG. A gram of it costs $18, (laughs) cash only. The names. But for tourists, the legal challenge starts as soon as you walk out the front door. Anything goes in Vegas, right? Wrong. On the Strip, buying marijuana legally is one thing, smoking it is another. Nevada law mandates that legally bought marijuana be consumed in a private residence. Nothing public, which includes casinos, hotels, cars, and sidewalks. Armin Yaminijin, who owns this dispensary, says the law puts most of his customers in a tough spot. About 70 to 80 percent are tourists. And these people have no private space to go to because they don't live here. Well, that's the problem. No other industry in the world can you buy a product and then not use it anywhere. It's, it's silly. In the eight states that have legalized marijuana, implementing the new drug laws has been challenging for consumers. For instance, people in California and Massachusetts may possess it or grow it, but not buy or sell it legally what? until next year. Sales are legal in Colorado, Nevada, and Washington, but for now, public consumption is banned. State Senator Tick Sagerblum supported legalizing marijuana here. People are already buying it, people are using it, uh, so this is not something new. It's just, let's go ahead and take the next step and acknowledge that fact and provide a venue for them where they can have fun. Marijuana has a place in Sin City. Exactly. <laughs> now, that is... That's a CBS move. CBS anchors, I this is according to somebody who used to work at CBS, CBS anchors are instructed to say, or, uh, interviewers, sorry, are instructed to say things in a way that prompts the interviewee to repeat it back. They do this all the time on CBS. He just did it, but it didn't work. Have fun. Marijuana has a place in Sin City. So if he would have said marijuana has a place in Sin City right back to him, like which is super common in these interviews, boom instant soundbite but instead he thinks about it which is they hate it when that happens place in sin city (laughs) marijuana is perfect for sin city but for now vegas casinos and hotels have too much at stake to allow it gaming is a 13 billion dollar a year business in this state casino licenses require following federal state and local laws Uh, and then this is the rubs in fact That's why the casinos were so against it. They put tons of money into fighting legalization. I honestly didn't think it would pass just because the amount of gravity that they have in Nevada. So I got to imagine they're going to just fight this thing like a bunch of grumpy bastards. This is the marijuana industry. This is the gaming industry. And the two shall never meet. Tony Alamo chairs the Nevada Gaming Commission. But at the end of the day, it's very clear cut. It's against federal law. Oh, there you go. Until the federal law changes... That's the standard they have to maintain. Well, then what's going to happen when it changes? 25-year-old David Harper is visiting from Houston. The marijuana he bought legally, he'll smoke illegally. Got to be discreet, but oh yeah, for sure. 
Like, you're not yeah. the only one. I'm definitely not the only one. <laughs> there is no consensus about the solution here. The local marijuana industry is pushing to legalize pot cafes, the kind they have overseas in Amsterdam, and the kind that Colorado will roll out later this month. But for now, Margaret, what tourists buy in Vegas, they can't use in Vegas. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling there's going to be money to be made. Maybe a hotel? I don't know. So many more clips. Woo! So many more clips in the overtime and in the other categories as well. So if you are a supporter and you want to get the supporter sync, this is how I tell you to do it. So you have to be a patron at a certain pledge level. It's all on our Patreon page. You go to that pledge level. And then scroll through the history or search for BitTorrent Sync. Find the information there. I would recommend not installing it on your computer, though. Install it on your mobile device. Put the keys in there. And then you can pull out just the clips you want. Or you can pull down a whole folder. Because at this point, it's many, many gigs. However, if you'd like to help us back it up, you got a ton of space on a NAS, you're a maniac, feel free to grab the whole thing. Someday we'll be moving to another system. So be advised, that'll be happening at some point. Maybe something that works better for single clips, like something with a web interface. I just don't really know what yet, but I'm looking at open source projects that would index the directory properly and allow you to preview the links and download them, pull them down, things like that. I've been wondering what old Al Gore's up to. thought maybe, uh, I know he's working on a new, a new version of his uh, Inconvenient Truth movie. But I was thinking more about Al Gore and what his political intentions are in the future. He's got a lot of connections that the Clintons do. It'd be great for him to get in. He might have a much better chance than Hillary ever did. And you know, when you watch Al Gore, I mean, if you really watch him, he's got a very casual sort of non-political vibe about him. Uh, however, if you, if you pay attention, you can really notice that Al Gore is a very well-rehearsed man. Perhaps maybe you might say, scripted. Now, I'm not sure, but see if you can spot it in this next clip. And now we see these climate-related extreme weather events uh, virtually every day. Every night on the news is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation. Every night on the TV news is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation. Every night on the television news now is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation. It's obvious now. Every night on the news is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation. Now Mother Nature's in the debate. Every night now on the television news is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation. Mother Nature is telling us every night on the TV news now is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation. It's Mother Nature. Every night on the TV news is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation. We are seeing every night on the television news now a nature hike through the book of Revelation. Every night on the television news now is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation. Every night on the television news is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation. It's like a nature hike through the book of Revelation on the news every day now. Excelsior! There you go. A nature hike, everybody. Thank you, Al Gore. Sounds kind of nice. Awesome. Maybe you got to listen to this episode while on a nature hike. If you did, you got to tweet me and let me know. That'd be ironically awesome. Thank you for being here. Thank you to our patrons. Your Unfiltered Show will be right back here next week. Next week.